We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Earth. My name is Andrew Claudio. And on today's show with Roland Emmerich's new movie, Moonfall, hitting theaters this Friday, or more importantly, Will Smith set to be nominated for what will most likely or most certainly be his first ever Oscar on Tuesday. Not nominated, but the one that he's going to win on Tuesday. We travel back to 1996 again for the second time in 2022 to fight for our right to survive. And should we win the day, Oz, this episode will not just be remembered as episode 19, but the episode where Oz and I declared with one voice that we will Will not go go quietly quietly at night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to move on. We're going to survive. Today, we do a final review of Independence Day. This movie, we're not going to talk about the Rotten Tomato score because while it technically qualifies as certified fresh, we are not here for the critical consensus of this movie. It technically qualifies, but we're not including it. This movie won an Oscar, though. It was uh, nominated for uh, two awards it was nominated for, for visual effects and sound, uh, the first of which it won for visual effects. And at the box office, it made $817 million worldwide. Um, this movie was groundbreaking for 1996. We will see if Oz remembers the top five movies highest gross in 1996. Joining me as always, Mr. Bernardo Zrowski. Oz, how are you today, buddy boy? I'm in a wonderful mood. Sunshine and flowers. It might be because I'm still in the in the afterglow of how much I love Jackass Forever <laughs> and how it just made me feel better about life, the universe, and everything. Uh-huh. But uh, I am fired up to talk about some delightful trash today. Delightful trash. I'm going to push back on you in a second. But independent. You, you don't think it's delightful? 
Uh, here we go. We're, and we're off and running here on this podcast. So Roland Emmerich directs a movie in 1996 called Independence Day with under the title ID4. I'm going to hit Oz with trivia, which makes just no sense whatsoever. Um, so I ask you, first and foremost, as we always do on this pod, do you remember the first time you saw Independence Day? Oh, yeah. I remember the first time seeing it. I remember that. I remember the trailer. I remember this feeling like one of the first event movies. I'm, I'm trying to think because Jurassic Park was 93. So I was eight then. And I, I remember going to Jurassic Park. I remember the first time seeing it. I'm not sure that I remember like the buildup. And this is one of the first movies where I could clearly remember like I have circled my own 11 year old calendar. Like this is a thing that I need to do. Uh, I remember vividly seeing it. I remember having my mind utterly blown by it. I remember, uh, I remember just so very much. I remember being like, like really pissed for some reason that Jeff Goldblum wasn't the top name in the credits mm. because I love Jurassic <laughs> okay. Park so much. Um, it, this, this movie uh, was like, it's like catnip for 11 year old boys. So I don't, remember the first time and it's similar to how like i don't remember my first time going to church though church has just like always been in my life and independence <laughs> day has always been in my life whether it be you know so we're you're, doing this you're brent spiner you've grown up to be brent spiner is, is the answer who's brent spiner the, the, is, the is, scientist who loves the aliens oh that's so okay maybe i'm, I'm data <laughs> that's how yeah, I, you're data. Exactly. I'm data. data um so i don't I, I want to say it was during one of the holidays that I saw it. Maybe it was even 1996 that I saw it for the first time. I definitely didn't see it in a theater, but this like Christmas movies was always on during the 4th of July and we're doing it here in February and we'll just like repost the link in, in July when the time comes. But this movie has been in my life almost from an inertia standpoint where it's just like always been there. And all the different beats that hit all the different characters that I enjoy. The speech is going to be a big topic of conversation, an entire category dedicated to it actually later in the show. And I want to push back because you called it delightful trash and going through Roland Emmerich's filmography. There's some delightful trash. There's some not so delightful trash. And as somebody who has done some rewatching and then first time watching of some Roland Emmerich delightful trash. And Oh no. Really, really going through the uh, invasion disaster genre to see where Independence Day stands. Here's what I'll say. I think the way you view Armageddon is the way I view Independence Day, where I think that like, may come up today. <laughs> well, like, I think it's legit good. There's a difference in. Oh, whoa, whoa. Well, I, fight. So I, the episode. Please, please, I'm not please. saying that Armageddon's bad. I'm no, in I'm the sorry. same way that you say that Armageddon is legit good, right? Roland Emmerich is like 7% the director that Michael Bay is. Michael Bay, for all of his foibles as a storyteller, is like mm -hmm. a profound visual yes. compositionist. He understands agreement. where to put a camera, how to make a shot, how to make things exciting, how to use pacing, how to use color. I mean, there's it's not for nothing that Michael Bay has two movies in the Criterion collection. It's because he was actually seen as a legitimate, potentially game-changing stylist. What's the other on one? On the visual side, The Rock. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And those are, I mean, those are his like two, those are, those are two of his three like great movies with, with bad boys. And I just, I, 
This I is a crazy not, position. I understand why I Armageddon not, is bad from like a story <laughs> perspective, but this is this can't be the conversation with Armageddon. It's but with not, your heart, it I, can be. Okay, I'm <sighs> saying from my perspective. I didn't mean this to turn this into a defense of Armageddon, but I think because I love that movie. Don't get you me wrong. Get it. I am okay. I am you come at the, the king, way, you best not miss. I am saying the way you think that movie is that nearly three and a half hour movie about people it's going into twenty. No, it's definitely two thirty. I know for a fact. Rewatching it during the pandemic, I got into when they leave for space, and it was like, oh wow, there's an hour awake. left in this movie. Yes, two two thirty one. Fine. 231. Thank you. <laughs> so like it was literally like, wow, there's an hour left and they haven't gotten into space yet. Oh, my God. This movie is dragging. Anyway, <gasps> the way I look at Independence Day, I actually have an affection for the characters and the way that this movie works for me, at least in, in the way it doesn't work for all the other invasion disaster Rolandic movies is that the time they take to not overly develop or make you or like force you to care for these characters. But there's legitimate stakes in this movie. Bill Pullman. Yeah, he's the president. And like, you have to follow him because of the power that's given to him in the beginning of the movie. His wife dies. So you understand the stakes of loss that are part of that. Will Smith in the beginning of the movie is contemplating whether or not he should marry the woman, like Vivica A. Fox, the woman that he allegedly loves, has a kid with. And this incident allegedly that happened, loves. That's because he's saying, I'm thinking of calling the whole thing off. So he's going back and forth. You know, they're the alternate version. Richard Linklater does Independence Day, but the whole movie is just <laughs> Vivica A. Fox talking out whether they want to get married. Yes. Um, but like because of the incidents that have happened in the movie, he realizes like life is short and then marries her before he goes off on this mission. Jeff Goldblum and all the quibbles he has with his ex-wife, they reconcile realizing that they were perfect for each other, that all the all the domestic stuff that was that was a problem that led to the end of their marriage wasn't big enough that here at the end of your life, when you have to really face that, like they wanted to stay together. And it leads to this moment at the end where I'm not just invested in the completion of the mission. I'm invested in everybody's survival at the end, which is not true in a lot of these other trash movies. I think there's legit heart to this movie, which I can't say about the other things in this genre. That's my defense where I think this movie is legitimately perfect outside of the other movies that come up throughout this genre. So I'll say two things. I'll stop myself at two here. The first is a positive. And I will say that I think the scene where Mary McDonald, who uh, I've come to quite adore from her role in Battlestar Galactica, who plays Bill Pullman's wife, um, when she dies, I think that's effective. I think it is like flagrantly manipulative which is fine it's a disaster movie but like of course she lives until like just the right moment to say goodbye um that's fine it's it works i do i give a Mm -hmm. shit that moment it makes me feel a feeling i 11 year old me was definitely like sobbing over that and 37 year old me is like oh i would feel kind of sad if i were stuck to parent alone because my wife was killed in a helicopter crash and then made it just long enough for me to get to say goodbye that That adds the stakes oz but everything you just said about uh-huh. like the, the character stuff that's going on in this movie for all these people and the conflicts they had could be said about the day after tomorrow. No, nope. could be said about 2012. Uh, could the be day said after tomorrow about, parts of it, but not could be said about Moonfall. 
where everyone no. has like really complex relationships. It could be said about Skyscraper, which is Red Notice because it's the same director as Red Notice. Mm-mm. It could be said about so many of these. It is like bog standard. Everyone needs to have some conflict so you can humanize them. It's how you it's how you make any movie with a big cast. You got to give them something that the audience can identify with really, really, really quickly. And really, really quickly is, oh, my God, I'm nervous about proposing or, oh, shit, I have to be around my ex-wife. Like, it's just like really basic stuff in terms of how to shortcut character arcs. I mean, look, it's not it's not any different than uh, fucking the father son-in-law tension of Armageddon. Like, I get that. That's the same sort of manipulation. I just like it a lot better when Steve Buscemi is buying tampons for a little girl than what happens here. <laughs> and I think that's why I open the show with why what your Armageddon is, is my Independence Day. I emotionally invest in I cry the- every time I watch Armageddon. I cry every time I watch Independence Day when his wife dies, when he goes to the, the, the when Will Smith takes the airplane and goes to the wreckage site and sees Vivica A. Fox. What was once lost is now found eyes. Goodness. That's why, like, <laughs> I think this is like the scripture, block- baby scripture. This- yeah, you're welcome, Dad. I think this is legitimately good. I don't think there is anything trash about it. This may Wait, you be don't my- think there's anything bad about it. Maybe there is, but like I'm overlooking all of it. I, I'm that, okay. You will see when you get to my score later. Just how oh, high. Oh my. Well, like I've hinted at it. This is one of my favorite like, movies ever. How you know? bad is Randy Quaid? Randy Quaid is so bad in this movie. He's so, so bad. Speaking of moments that make me cry. Oh, when no. He no. Says, <sighs> Do me a favor. Tell my children I love them. And then you get the moment the where everybody else manip- thinks he's a hero. But his son has the mixed emotions of, yeah, my dad's a hero, but he's gone. There is heart to this movie. I care about all of the perspectives of these characters. This is the one where Roland Emmerich got it right. And I emphasize the one. Okay. (laughs) There. That is my defense. Spoilers for our Moonfall bonus episode. Yeah. Just. Be ready is all I'm going to say that they, they I will not have this opening monologue about how much I love the movie for that episode. <laughs> um, I want to give you a chance, though, because I do know you adore this movie. So what is that you love the most about Independence Day? If you could summarize it in like a couple sentences. Lots of disaster movies are very bad at scale and mm-hmm. scope, and they, they have a way where destroying the world somehow feels small because you are inevitably tethered to just a small number of characters and you're constrained by the budgets and the runtime to show the total carnage of these things. And this one is special in large part because the scope is mammoth. It actually feels like an end of the world event. I think the destruction of the cities remains incredibly effective. I also think all of Roland Emmerich's movies are like, I don't know, 45 minutes too long. But this one is kind of the only one where the pacing works. I mm-hmm. think there's like just the right amount of time before the attack hits. And I think that's a huge benefit to why this thing is is effective. I do think it like stalls out in the back half a little bit, but that's fine. All of these do. <laughs> um, this, this is actually, I mean, look, I love disaster movies. Obviously, Armageddon is going to rate ahead of it for me when we do the disaster movies category. But this is this is super fun, and it's Roland Emmerich's. It's it's a real tribute to what Roland Emmerich brings to the table. 
So I was worried watching this week that similar to what my Space Jam argument a couple of weeks ago that like I don't want to watch it as an adult because my critical eye will be a little harsher on it and I'll knock it down. And that mirage of when I watched it as a kid and what it meant will just like disappear. Um, like the Mighty Ducks or D2 is a lot like that. And I was worried because I've, I've obviously rewatched a hundred times or like every holiday or every time it's on. Um I've rewatched Independence Day a bunch of times, but I I was worried, like actually focused and like sitting there with a notepad, that I I'd, I'd notice the the holes and be a little more critical of it. And I just like the moment, the moment like all the cities stop to look up, and it was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, this is effective drama building. I like like the entire uh, attack sequence from city to city is like all of this works and it's why like i came i think came away a little more defiant in my praise of this movie coming into this pod and i'm I, like i'm very much looking forward to seeing where this goes i will say a little spoiler for my roland Emmerich rankings i purposely have never seen resurgence because i know how bad it is i've been told how bad it is and i do not want any like I thought maybe I'd do it this week, but I was so in love with the first viewing of Independence Day. As I, I, I rewatched this movie three times rather than watching Resurgence twice you for the first time. are poo-pooing on my number three Emmerich movie right now. Are you now. really? No, oh, good really? God. I okay. made it. I made I'm it so worried. I made, I made it five minutes in on a rewatch before I quit. I just, okay. I, it's so bad. I was, I don't want, like similar to like, I've never seen Zoolander 2. I've never seen like Dumb and Dumber 2. Like there are a lot of sequels that were clear cash grabs that like I was worried about that with Bad Boys for Life. Well, what what's then, better, Dumb and Dumber 2 or Dumb and Dumberer? Oh, I've <laughs> I don't not 100% sure I've seen Dumb and Dumberer, but I've I never think Dumb seen Dumb and Dumberer is the one with the recast. And Dumb and Dumber okay. 2 is the like legacy When they're sequel. older, yeah, 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 it's a legacy sequel. Um yeah, I I was worried that Independence Day Resurgence would ruin it, which is why I was like, you know what? I can't I can't do it. And that's why like Space Jam New Legacy, my worst movie of 2021 is enough for me to be like, okay, Michael's the goat and that movie's perfect and I'm never watching it again because I want to keep that view of it intact. Some trivia for this episode, Oz. Do you know some of the original titles of Independence Day? Alien Invasion. You're close. Invasion was one of them. Oh, there we go. That's pretty good. Uh, Doomsday was another. Sky on Fire was another. That's not bad. And the original working title, ID4, was what they used for a majority of the set. And do you know how they got Independence Day? Um, the release date? <laughs> well, no, but that's a good call. In, in, Independence Day, uh, Independence Day, July 4th. So ID4. Yes. Um, Independence Day was not part of the script. The line in the Pullman speech, the Whitmore speech at the end, they like ad-libbed or not that ad-libbed, but going into filming that scene, uh, the screenwriter, uh, his last name's Devlin. I'm forgetting his first. Um, Dean. Dean Devlin and Pullman actually improvised add this line at the end. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. <laughs> and we'll see if like they had always wanted to make Independence Day the title and they wanted to see how it looked in daily. So once he did the scene and another piece of trivia, the crowd applauding to the speech was not in the script either. They just heard the speech in the take and gave an applause. So they sent that to the studio, to Warner brothers or, or to Fox 
and said, can you get the rights to Warner Brothers uh, to Independence Day? Because Warner Brothers had the rights because of a 1983 film called Independence Day. Within two weeks after they showed him the clip or the daily of Pullman giving the speech, Warner Brothers worked out a deal with Fox and lo and behold, both studios probably made money for Independence Day. Um, do you know how long each spaceship is? It's said in the movie. I don't know, but like a city block, roughly uh, 15 miles. That scale makes no sense. Uh, it, it does. If you think about how New York City is 13.4 miles long, not square miles, but like from. Yeah, it doesn't first cover street all to, of New York City. That means right, it, so would it just covers from, all that of, means it would be from the World Trade Center Yankee Stadium. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me. I don't know. Um, Maybe the mothership is 15 miles, but there's no way the, the land ships are 15 every, miles. They say it in the movie. Every single ship is 15 you are, miles. You long. are cinema sinsing your own movie right now. No, I'm saying like, if you look at yeah, it, they the say that. that doesn't make any sense. And it, it spans the entire Manhattan Island. It, when you show it over um, L.A., L.A., I did some I did a little research on uh, length of cities. L.A. is 44 miles long north to south and 29 miles long east to west. And that ship is like right over the middle of L.A. Yeah, works for me from wherever Will Smith is watching that ship from that. There's my there's my nitpick, by the way. Vivica Fox walks outside. He's staring right at the thing. Right. And she's like, what's wrong? What are you looking at? And then she has to turn to her right. Like, lady, you walk outside. You're going to see this ship right in front of you. <laughs> um, D.C is 68 miles long east to west so it, it covers the entire uh uh like congress district or whatever that thing is called downtown the mall the well so the mall is only two and a half miles long i say only because like i mean it's a long run but it's also like it's a one it's, fifth, one, it's one, a one sickness that you've looked all this up <laughs> one eighth the size of a spaceship apparently um so yeah there's that <laughs> Uh, do you know the three 90s movies that were also filmed on the White House interior set used in this movie? Or can you guess, I guess? Because I know I'm assuming you don't know. Three, all from the 90s. Yes. I think and like the, movies featuring the White House. Presumably they would have come after. So one is before where Independence, they actually reused what's their the, set. What's, uh, what's the Clint Eastwood movie, the assassination movie? Executive Decision? That's, that, not, no, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the that's the Steven Seagal movie. Um, Murder at sixteen hundred. No, damn it. Um, oh, American president. American president was the set was built for American president. Then Independence Day. Used oh, that's it. neat. I didn't know that. Then that's cool. two other movies used it. I, <sighs> One features a president that will come up later. <laughs> uh it, is there a president ack, in Armageddon? Ack, ack. Oh, Mars Attacks? Mars Attacks. <laughs> I don't know if it actually technically came out later because Mars Attacks was, yeah, it was. So, okay, another piece of trivia. The hype for Independence Day moved Mars Attacks back to a Christmas release because they didn't want to release two invasion movies at the same time. Um, and the last one is Nixon, the Oliver Stone movie. Wow. I yeah. never would have gotten that one. Yeah. Trivia. Um, do you know why the U so let me actually start with this. The US military originally intended to provide personnel, vehicles, and costumes for the film. Do you know why they backed out? Uh presumably because the the military are bad guys at parts of this movie. And in order for the 
in order to use the military assets, you need to have, you need to set like a, there are certain rules you need to follow with how the military is depicted, mm-hmm. which Michael Bay is very good at following. So he gets to use actual military stuff. Um, this is, that is not a, a good sell for my Armageddon case, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably part of it, but there was a specifically thing in the movie listed that they were like, Oh, you have that in your movie. We can't. Is it when, it. is it every scene that, James Rebhorn is an asshole in. Is no, that- <laughs> it's every scene at Area 51. They would not be part of a movie where Area oh, 51 actually, That makes exists. sense. I should have known that. that makes um, sense. And then last but not least, uh, do you know this movie's alternate ending? I, you know what? I had the two disc. It was like shiny silver special edition DVD of Independence mm-hmm. Day. I can distinctly remember that it had an alternate ending. I can distinctly remember being really excited to watch it. And Uh I have, I I have been neuralizered zappy thing (laughs) of whatever that ending is. Okay. So it's, it's slight. They made, they reshot a portion of the uh, Russell case sequence. Um, The Randy Quaid character, because originally in the first cut of the movie and like, tested well apparently with audiences um randy quaid's character is rejected from the pilots that are volunteering to go fight the aliens because of his alcoholism and then he steals one of the missiles and that crop dusting plane that he was using he straps one to his crop dusting plane and then shows up at the end to do the same suicide mission, but like out of his own drunk stupor, like does it like accomplishes the movie that way. And so while it tested well, Emmerich went back and reshot that he gets accepted and added more of a competent, um, competent ending for that character to, as I mentioned, give him more heart and a reason for you to actually care about the ending of the movie for him. I am surprised to hear that this filmmaker went back to make a new choice based on character motivations. Um, that that's nice to hear. Perhaps it was the success that went to his head and moved him beyond caring about your <laughs> character character arcs. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that that is that is like way worse the way it would have been before. Oh yeah, yeah. I would not be as emphatic. How, about how would movie. he have gotten the plane? Did he teleport back Reasons. to this Podunk Reasons. land to get it? I, or again, reasons they that he just figured out a way. I, that, that's again the why. This is why my take is this is the one where Emmerich got it right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Our intelligence tells us the object has settled into a stationary orbit. Wow, that's good news. Uh, not really, sir. Part of it is broken off into nearly three dozen other pieces. Smaller than the whole, sir. Yet over 15 miles in width themselves. Where are they heading? They should be entering our atmosphere within the next 25 minutes. Oz, are you ready to do a final review of Independence Day? I am. Let's do it. So the categories for today, Roland Emmerich, then maybe my favorite character, category but also most difficult category ever will smith performances jeff goldblum performances bill pullman performances american presidents we'll clarify whether it's fictional or not when we get to it later um 90s special effects invasion disaster movies a fun debate coming later as well Uh, a redux of 1996 and the 90s and then Probably the most important one for this movie, movie speeches. Those are our 10 categories for today. We start where we usually do with our director. Is Independence Day a top five Roland Emmerich directed film? Um, did you know he's the top, he's the 15th, one of the top 15 highest grossing directors ever? Not surprised by that, but that doesn't yeah. adjust for inflation because it's definitely not true if you adjust for inflation at ticket price. I just read, read the line, man. I'm just saying, he, by the numbers. 15th highest grossing director ever. I'm sure like in the 60s where there was like four movies to go see. There are okay. I get what you're saying. I'm saying by the math, his movies make money, which someone tweeted at me today when I put up the, what are your top five Roland Emmerich movies? And they were like, why do they keep allowing him to make all this, these trash movies? And it was like, cause they make money. That's why they keep uh, letting him do that. Um, Independence Day is the highest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes for Roland Emmerich at 68% and the second highest on Metacritic. Can you take a guess what the first one is? Anonymous. No. Fuck. Uh, The Patriot. Yes. Had to be one of his serious movies. You'd say fuck again if you want. (laughs) The fact that another Mel Gibson... Mel Gibson might make a couple appearances on this episode. Oh, God, I'm so fucking tired of Mel Gibson. And there's a a lot of Mel coming. Sorry, listeners. Unfortunately, I've got two nominees for you. Don't worry. We probably have the same two. Um, So, look... I don't want to pile on a guy because I think the more I dove into like who he is as a person, I actually like respect him a lot and his activism is much needed and uh, much appreciated. I I don't think he has a lot of good movies. I think this is objectively the worst filmography that we are going to be counting down today. Is that not true, Oz? I'm just trying to figure out if he's the worst filmography we've ever done. Uh-huh. On the show, and I, I think that the answer to that question is is probably yes. I, I think that I like Independence Day more than say I, I don't know. Um, no, you know what? Honestly, I like Ghostbusters more than than I like Independence Day. Mm-hmm. So I think that Reitman is going to win just on that because I, I, whatever we pick as Emmerich's number two I, I, is not going to beat Stripes for me. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, it's probably our, our, our weakest or at least our most our most niche director that we've we've done so far. He's he's 
good at one thing and elsewhere is not not good. <laughs> it, it, it's literally like it's literally like a basketball player where he's like really good at dunking or really good at three point shooting or really good at uh, like crawl, like defense, you know, and unfortunately you need to do multiple things in order to be a complete basketball player. And he, that's Roland Emmerich. Dikembe Mutombo of filmmakers yes. or something. Don't give him the ball five feet away from the basket, <laughs> but damn it. If you need a block shot down the stretch, Mutombo's your guy. Um, again, I don't want to pile on. I would not make Independence Day the worst movie of that we've done so far. I would make this filmography the worst we've done so far because I have more than one Reitman movie that I like, more than one Raimi movie that I like. Um, so Oz, your top five Roland Emmerich movies. Uh, number one is uh, actually Independence Day Resurgence. No, it's Independence Day, number one. Uh, number two, fuck Mel Gibson, but The Patriot. <laughs> I think the Patriots good. Uh-huh. I do. I think Mel's good in it. I think Heath Ledger's good in it. I think Jason Isaacs is really good in it. I this it's 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 not like a great war movie because it's kind of like an action movie that happens to be set during a war, but I think it's good. Three is Day After Tomorrow, which is his best other major disaster movie. Four is Stargate, okay. which is one of his earlier films, which I think is quite good. It's a little less bombastic. Still ridiculous and has inspired like 19 TV shows that I've never watched. And fifth for me, flip a coin. <laughs> flip a coin. Yeah. I'm going to go with, I, I thought between two and one of them has like a great first 45 minutes. And then like, a, you're just, you just get waterboarded for two hours after that of misery. And the other one is like kind of fine and pleasant for like all two plus hours. So I'm going with fine and pleasant for all two plus hours. And that's my dude, Channing Tatum. And that's white house down. Mm, Yeah, there you go. Um, Okay. So my number one is obvious. It's uh, it's midway. um, (laughs) (laughs) Now independence, independence days one, I'd argue blind squirrel found an acorn here. And like, that's harsh. I get it. That this is just not a lot of good in his filmography. But the one good I think is borderline perfect. I love this movie very much. And it's it's like this is a deal breaker date movie for me. Like if Rosina didn't like Independence Day, we would have the fight at the end of Before Midnight, probably. <laughs> There's how we get to it. You and Lily would not be together. Um, the Patriot will be my number two also because Mass was one of my favorite movies of 2021 and Jason Isaacs is in it. So uh, I'm sure. Why not? I was very close to saying a rule of fuck Mel Gibson. This is off my list, but objectively I could not. So I'll make this my number two. The move at the end where he, he the same move that killed Heath Ledger, he does to Jason Isaac is uh, good. It's good. It's like a nice Mel, movie movie thing, you know? Fucking Mel. Mel keeps showing up because like he's a terrible guy, but he had this awesome physical charisma and like sense of danger to him. Mm-hmm. He was just... It sucks that he's the worst guy. It sucks yeah. that I can't like look back in, in like pleasure at how awesome... So even in like bad movies like Payback, like that guy gave awesome performances and it's just... I feel like dirty watching... I felt like shitty watching Lethal Weapon at Christmas. I, I hate that. Fuck you, can Mel. I, <laughs> can I uh can I throw a take at you? Please. Is it gonna be is it gonna be anonymous here? I don't think so. No, no, okay. no. Anonymous. Might be worse though. Um I think Godzilla's fun. I am okay with that. I'm okay with I think that. It's fun. That's it's why it's bad, like, but it's fun. I it's agree. very bad. This is this is the bad this is delightful trash for me. This is where I go. Like the, the monster looks terrible. They do that whole like lure him in. 
or her in because her, preg- her. she's pregnant. Um, the entire sequence in the garden with the nest, that entire thing, like as a kid that like just got into basketball when I first saw that. And he was like, this is like where the Knicks play. This is where the Knicks shower. Um, <laughs> like I, I have fun with Godzilla when it's on, which is enough for me to make it my number three. Um, and Jean Renault is in it. I love that guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, my number four is the day after tomorrow. Uh, so we'll call it Sunday. Or I guess tomorrow's Friday. So we'll call it Saturday. Um, <laughs> I think young Jake Gyllenhaal is doing enough. Um, we, I think we talked about He's this. He's handsome. Yeah. Yeah. The, the eyes really pop. I'm- Emma Rossum, I think is. Emmy. Is, Emmy. Emmy Rossum, excuse me, is the is love interest in that movie. Um, I, I do find funny the whole like, we can't burn this. It's a piece of literature. No, we have to keep warm. And then the other guy's like, guys, we have like eight volumes of tax law. We can burn right here. It's fine. If we got to keep it, we're good. Did, hasn't this made one of your lists before? It I has. Think, I think, I think it's made Ian Holm, well, right? So it made Ian Holm. That's the thing. The Ian Holm having to like talk, like convince you that this is a serious thing and like believable science is good. Also, like it's really touching when Dennis Quaid is like, I'm going to go get my son. And when the the cabinet is like, well, he's making all these judgments here from D.C. That's the that's the illogical part that he basically camped during a weather event and walked from D.C. to New York over the span of a week, which, listen, what would you do for Logan is all I'll say. But I don't know, logically, if you make it to D.C. is all I'm saying. Uh, and then last but not least, we White House down um, of the 2013 movies where a Person protected the president from an invasion of the White House. I prefer this to Olympus has fallen. So I'll go White House down with my only honorable mention is that the volcano sequence and the first earthquake sequence of 2012 are, were, are uh, YouTube scene rewatches that I go to often because they're like fun trash. But I, I think um, Tom McCarthy's in that movie. I think he went from this to be like, I'm going to go right spotlight. I need, I can do better <laughs> things with my life. There, there's no way I should be like the stepfather that did nothing wrong except be a stepfather. And then I get ceremoniously killed, unceremoniously killed off for no reason. And then after that, he wrote the cobbler. So, uh, yeah, he contains multitudes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my, my honorables are 2012. I think the part where they're flying the plane and the buildings are like falling down on top of yeah. them. It's, it's pretty cool. And it's kind of vicious. Cause that's the first time he starts putting like bodies falling out of the buildings. Also. Um, I think that's good. And I'm a sociopath who likes my disaster movies, super violent. And, uh, the other one I'm gonna put up there, I think anonymous is kind of okay. I think it's, fucking dumb and kind of <laughs> and maybe maybe it's actually bad but i kind of liked anonymous i remember thinking it was like pretty impressively staged and there's like good actors in that movie which is not the necessarily the norm for roland emmerich's films so uh anonymous is all right i'm impressed we got we each got to one honorable mention for this you got to two honorable i got to i could I, I i could i I don't I don't want to murder poor Roland here, but like uh, he's not the he's not the worst director. Like he's done some amusing stuff. Uh, I don't know. I actually you know what? I, I don't think Midway is that bad. The problem, the biggest problem with Midway is that it was made like 15 years after Pearl Harbor and yeah. looks, and looks like it came out 15 years before for like one thirtieth the budget. Um, I don't understand why it's so grotesquely ugly, but like there's some 
okay stuff in there. I, I, and I, I could I, put Godzilla, I could put Godzilla as an honorable mention. And there Universal, we go. And Universal Soldier. I, I don't mind Universal Soldier. Like these aren't good, like good movies, but they're, like Universal Soldier is perfectly watchable. I appreciate you as the the person, the the character that you have. Um, that you want to go out of your way to applaud Roland Emmerich and say nice things. By the way, guys, if you want, check out the written review of Roland Emmerich's Moonfall, now available on theinventionofdreams.com. <laughs> Next up, <laughs> I had to. You sent me. <laughs> it's, it's it's really positive. Yeah, yeah, positively vicious. I know why we have satellite disruption. All right, go ahead. Okay. Uh, let's say that you wanted to uh, coordinate with spaceships on different sides of the Earth. I couldn't send a direct signal, right? You're talking about line of sight. Yeah, that's right, exactly. The curve of the Earth prevents it. You'd need satellites to relay that signal in order to reach each ship. Well, I found a signal hidden inside our own satellite system. Excuse me, Mr. Preston. They're starting. They're using our own satellites against us. And the clock is ticking. Next up, I, I think I'm ready. Uh, is, is Independence Day a top five Will Smith performance. Do you have like a paper bag you can breathe into before you start going here? I just think I, I just think you need you need to get yourself leveled. No, you gotta get yourself I, centered. You gotta make sure you're okay. I, when I did my research, I usually do it in like a set of three days where like I write the rundown, write what I need to go rewatch and like all the different top fives I need to do. An entire day was just Will Smith. This and is like that's what Leo is going to be for me when we get to when we I'm, get to Leo. I'm, I'm sure a, it'll be up there for me too. Scorsese was similar too, you know, in that sense. Um this was this was this was an ordeal. I wrote down twenty movies that I legitimately like that he's in. Um, I did get to five, wow. and I have some takes. But this, I mean, look, you, I'm hoping you. Hopefully, you guys have heard our King Richard podcast where I talk about this is my favorite movie star. I'm not saying it's my favorite actor. I don't go to him for the quality. I think as far as charisma and presence on screen, there is no greater to do it for me than Will Smith. It's why like my number one is actually his performance as Will Smith on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I think his best performance is that entire sequence at the end of the episode where his dad leaves the how come he don't want me man sequence will uh, inject tears every time into any person like not just like person with like issues with their father. But no, like that issue, that moment is like a television moment for me for Will Smith. Um do you know the other person that was offered this role first? I have no idea. I'm surprised you don't. It's Ethan Hawke. Wait, really? You didn't want to do it because the script is bad. <laughs> That's well, literally the reason. I mean, listen, the guy went from Link later to this and was like, I can't really I, do this. You know, I love Ethan Hawke. He would have been fucking awful yeah. in that role. That is that is like shockingly bad casting. Yeah. Well, they didn't. And thankfully we get Will Smith in this movie. Um, I, I, I don't, I, we did the full range conversation of Will Smith on the King Richard pod. Um, well, I guess what's your favorite line from his in this movie? Cause I allege that outside of the Pullman speech, the Whitmore speech, the next like seven lines that are my favorite in this movie come from Will Smith. 
it, it's definitely welcome to earth mm-hmm. or it's actually welcome earth but earth. They, earth is like the fake internet thing and it, yeah he says earth but welcome to earth is, is the best of it i also like the part where he's dragging the alien in the thing and ranting about the alien's stupid dreadlocks and what the hell is that smell it's like <laughs> that's good shit so yeah yeah i agree welcome to earth that's what i call a close encounter when he's in the that ship is a at the end bad one well, when he's in the ship at the end, I have got to get me one of these. Is, that is like, it's pretty great. That is the ultimate like trailer line. That is mm-hmm. like I can clearly remember that being in every single like commercial, every bit of marketing that they did like late. You know, once it was like close, it wasn't that initial teaser of just the ships flying in. Uh, that That's 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 some good marketing right there. Yeah. OK, so I get to go first. My top five. Will Smith performances um, come along on this journey with me uh, it's because I had to to break this down into like categories because there are three versions of Will Smith that I believe exist. There's action movie star or just movie star Will Smith. There's trying to win an Oscar Will Smith and there's sexiest man alive Will Smith. And when I had to, pick one movie or one character one performance that stood out above the others, I had to pick which genre that was going to be, which version of him that was going to feature. And when it comes down to the type of performance I go to from Will Smith, it's always going to be the movie star. And I think the biggest movie star he's ever been, the most charismatic larger than life role he's ever had is this one character, specifically one character when Michael Bay is at the wheel. So my number one is actually, this is the first time I've ever done this on this show is a cheat. It's going to be bad boys and bad boys too, because Mike Lowry is the number one role I think of when I think of Will Smith, the movie star more than anything else. He steals every scene that he's in, in that movie. He plays off of Martin Lawrence's comedy, which is like a lot of the Will Smith comedy is just him being goofy on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Martin Lawrence is actually like a stand-up comedian. So to hang with Martin is actually pretty impressive. The sequence in Bad Boys 2, when uh, he's interrogating the guy that's coming to to uh, take Martin Lawrence's daughter out. And he's like the pretend uncle is pretty hilarious. And then they ripped it off in Den of Thieves and it doesn't work at all. Uh, even the, the shit just got real in Bad Boys 2. The, the camera panning around. Yeah, that moment is a Martin Lawrence moment, but it's made even greater because Will Smith is in the shot with him. And they both look like, like Michael Bay literally set out during film. I'm going to make you a fucking movie star, man. Like open your shirt up. I'm going to make you a movie star. And he did it successfully. So Mike Lowry in bad boys one and two. Uh, and I don't hate bad boys for life either. Uh, those are the, that, that's my number one for Will Smith. My number two is a Will Smith going for an Oscar performance. And it is the pursuit of happiness. Uh, I've read the book. And Chris Gardner is just like not a good guy. Um, I'm not going to ruin the the movie for anybody because I do think this is one of the more inspirational stories ever told on screen. I will say they took some liberties. For example, Chris Gardner's wife didn't leave him because he didn't have money. It's he left because he was went outside the marriage. <laughs> so, uh, having said that, I, I I think the ending of this movie. You want to talk about? like automatic tears the 
this part of my life, this small part is called happiness is like how I felt earlier this week when Tom Brady finally announced his retirement from football. And that is the last football story we're going to talk about on this podcast. Uh, even the middle sequence where his cynical nature and his life to that point has caused him to be like so defeated of any hope. And when his kid is shooting hoops and it's like, I'm going pro. And Will is like, I guess Gardner is like, um, like be more realistic. You're probably not. You should lose that hope and, and plans now and realizes I just destroyed the hopes of a little kid and does, I argue like his best monologue ever. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do something. Not even me. You got a dream. Go get it. Like that's Mamba mentality shit right there. And it's almost like in that moment, while it's like a movie character saying that Will Smith's telling me, don't ever let anybody tell me I can't do something. And it's, it's probably my favorite like piece of, of uh, acting that I've seen him do. Um, and yeah, uh, worthy of the nomination it got, I think that it got, and probably my favorite performance from him in his career, if not outside of like the movie star stuff, speaking of movie star stuff, independence day is my number three. He shares the lead with Pullman and Goldblum, but I, he's my favorite movie star of the movie. Uh, every single like, him, like you said, him dragging the thing through the desert is awesome and hilarious. And him, uh, like you want to talk about a quibble, him punching a alien in the face and knocking it unconscious for hours is makes no sense. But Will Smith did it, so I believe it. Uh, Independence Day is my number three. I'm actually going to jump down to a Sexiest Man Alive nomination, and it's my number five. It's not even number five in my list, but I'm putting it in my top five because I want to mention how much I love this movie. It's my favorite rom-com ever. And watching him as a date doctor is just exactly how I, I would envision Will Smith as a date doctor. It's the movie Hitch, Kevin James and Ava Mendez. And it's the sexiest I've ever found Will Smith. It's like the movie where I understood that he's more than just like a movie star or icon. He's like a sex symbol as well. And yeah, I think movie will smith that would be my date doctor maybe not like the guy that goes on red table talk now but that version of will smith i would go to for relationship advice 100 percent. can i hot take you for a moment there yeah go ahead i i find will smith on screen mm -hmm. and i gather he he's had some adventures in real life but um i find him like like frighteningly asexual what like, do you mean I, I don't believe that that any character he's ever played like actually wants to fuck. I mean, you, you sort of just nailed it on hitch. He's okay. the most charming, charismatic guy on earth when he's talking to another dude with pickup tips, his actual chemistry with Eva Mendez is like dead fish. They don't want to uh... fuck. They don't, they don't even like each other. Like the only movie where I think that he actually wants to, to fuck and his co-star actually wants to fuck him is focus. Yeah. And they based on some did. stuff that's come out. Yeah. <laughs> that's a thing. Um, okay. I just Let find, me be clear. I find it, uh, but you know why? I think yeah. part of it, he's a really savvy businessman. Mm -hmm. And he's always thought like downright algorithmically about his career. And I think that part of it, and I think he alludes to this in his book, actually, is that black sexuality is off-putting to white audiences because white people suck and are racist. Um, I, I just, I think that, that it's a conscious choice in a lot of places, but I really do find him to be like, like frighteningly like a fucking Ken doll in so many of his roles. Like, so, I don't believe that guy wants to fuck Vivica A. Fox in Independence Day. 
she's gorgeous. Like why he he is like he is like he has more sexual chemistry with his wingman in that movie than his wife mm-hmm. to be. And so, it's always it's always that way with him. He has like Tom Cruise disease. He's like too wow. too like self involved in his like star charisma thing that I don't believe anyone wants to fuck him. Let me be like clear. Harrison Ford fucks. Will Smith doesn't fuck. <laughs> I agree with you on all. George Travolta fucks. Ah, and Will Smith doesn't fuck. <laughs> I agree with you on all of this. I'm not saying sexiest man alive with his co-star. I'm saying the movie I want to fuck Will Smith the most <laughs> is in Hitch. Okay, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, and then my number four. I went back and forth between four different movies because I like objectively think four movies are better than Hitch. I just like that's my favorite rom com of all time is Hitch. So that's like my hot take of the pot, I guess. Um, I had to decide which of the other four roles I like more, and I'll get to them when I get to honorable mentions. But like right now, I'm going with King Richard. There is another one that I adore so much, but I think you're going to say it as pretty high on your list. So I'll leave it for you. So I'll say King Richard, the movie that's going to win him his Oscar. We did an entire pot about it if you want to hear my thoughts. Those, I'm pretty sure, are my top five Will Smith performances. Ah, it's my, my turn. My list is going to break your brain a little okay. bit here. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, my number one, for all the reasons you said, is The Pursuit of Happiness. Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. You know, you know when Will Smith is kind of at his best? It's when, and I, I don't know how he gets there because he doesn't get there frequently. He gets there like once every seven movies. He gets to this place of real raw, like outpour of emotion where it's just kind of like leaking out of him. And it's going to show up in another movie on my list, actually. Um, and there, I think of the the scene where he's in the bathroom with with Jaden, like trying to hold the door closed, weeping and kind of kind of falling apart um, over how difficult everything has gotten. I, I think it's really good. I think he's really good in that movie. I understand why some folks find it like trickly and manipulative because it is. But that's a it's really well acted. I like that movie. Number two is the movie that for me best encapsulates all of Will Smith's star power and charisma and charm. And that's men in black. Yeah. Uh, men that in black. That's the one I was wrestling with. Go ahead. Men in black fucks. That movie is so good. It's so funny. He's so electric. His chemistry with Tommy Lee Jones, not with Linda Fiorentino <laughs> is off the charts. Um, he, he's just, he, everything about what's good about his movie star persona, what you're saying about bad boys too. I steal all of that and say about men in black um, in part. Cause I think men in black is just funnier and Will Smith is very funny. So men in black is my number two, three is a movie I thought you were going to have. And I think you're going to be stunned that I have. I am legend. It's one it's, of the four, one of the four I was considering for number four. I, believe me. I don't even think it's a very good movie, but I mm. think he is really, really good at it. I think, look, it's hard to be on screen alone by yourself talking to fucking mannequins mm-hmm. for an hour and getting people to pay attention and be into it. There's a long stretch of that movie. Nothing happens. He's going and getting fucking DVDs at a blockbuster. Like it's not, it's not like it's, it's, it's really star power stuff to make that work for the masses. And very, very few people can pull it off, but the scene where he has to kill his dog mm. in that movie, spoilers for like a 15 year old movie. Um, is really incredibly heart wrenching. He's dynamite. But again, it's another one of these like all artifice is down, all walls are down. It is the Fresh Prince moment where like whatever is inside of him that he hides behind his sort of like Scientology esque shell of like plans for his career, when he lets that go, he's really good. 
Uh, four for me is a movie that I, I don't know why it's kind of aged poorly in my mind. He's going to win an Oscar for it, I think. Mm. Uh, and that's that's King Richard. I'll, I'll say that when we did the podcast for King Richard, we did the podcast for Tick, Tick, Boom at about the same time. And I was like, either one of these could win. I'd be fine with either one of them winning. Uh, now I am about as far on the Andrew Garfield side of the ledger as, as it gets, <laughs> but Will Smith is going to win. Yeah. Uh, and my number five, I, I assume it's one of your honorable mentions is uh, a movie called enemy of the state, which is um, not a great movie, but it is a, good one and he's quite good in this sort of trapped in a conspiracy thriller uh that i like it's very much in his movie star vein i could have easily picked bad boys 2 for the same the same element i'm, I'm just i'm so blown away that you took bad boys 2 at number one i love it well no they're like okay so can i just go to my my top 11 i, I want to hear your yeah I, I want you to do honorable mentions first this this okay. is your guy so i have hitch five but mm-hmm. I have it in the nine spot is like, I, understand. How, I know I've that doesn't that make before. sense. No, no, like, I've done that before. It makes sense. So I go, you want to honor something that, that means the most. It's exactly. not going to impact the score. And it's important that that's the one in your heart. I get it. So, so King Richard right now is my number four. I am legend is my number five. Men in black is my number six. Uh, Ali is my number seven. Enemy of the state is number eight. And then hitch, as I mentioned, is number nine with, I robot as my number 10, that calculation sequence when he, he gets saved by the robot over the little girl. And he's like saying how traumatizing it was in the moment he stopped trusting AI. And then he says that the thing saved me because I had a 35% chance of living and the little girl had an 11% chance. It went by the math rather than valuing the light, her life over mine. Uh, that, forever terrified me of AI. And I was like, yep, that's that's the only argument I need. And then for all the reasons we hinted at, focus is by number uh, 11, which, yeah, choices were made in that movie on and off screen, apparently. These are 12 movies I legitimately like. And like, I haven't even, like, I don't think he's that bad in Concussion. I don't think he's that bad in uh, Aladdin. I don't think he's that bad in Bad Boys for Life. Like there are movies that are not great that I think he's good in. Um, even Suicide Squad, it's like like cut to death, but like I don't think he's bad in it. Um, uh, Bright, I, I, I came along with I came along with you on all of those until you got Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad is garbage across the board, and like release he, the air tight. He's garbage. I don't think he's that bad. I think he's not given any direction at all, and I think he's well. See. I, I'm I'm throwing an olive branch to the DC world, and it's like apparently the studio was like reshoot this to make it look like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, they gave it to the what they did is they took the edit away and they gave it to the company that cut the trailer for the movie to edit the final cut, which is fucking insane. Yeah, so I I don't think he's that bad as Deadshot. I will I'm not gonna it's not the, it's like eleven nineteenth uh, on my list though, so it's not like I'm defending it. Um, yeah, my, my my legitimate favorite actor. Uh, go ahead with your well, movie star, as I mentioned. Go ahead with your honorable mentions, though. Uh, Ali, Six Degrees of Separation. You know, I think, I've never seen it. Oh, it's good. He's good yeah. in it. Um, he's he's sort of a. It fits his like charming con man side. It would work for your you wanting to fuck him selections. <laughs> okay. Um, Independence Day and uh, Focus. I think is actually kind of good. Did I not say Focus? No, nope. I have it right next to Hitch. But look, yeah. I just, I agree with you, actually. I think he's a 
fantastic movie star. I just, I'm kind of bored of him as a movie star. Like Gemini man bored me. His work in Gemini man bored me. Like I, I, I don't know what it is that that can kind of like get it back for me with him and like mainstream, like blockbuster style stuff. I liked bad boys, but even he was like less interesting than Martin Lawrence for me in that movie, which was shocking because Will Smith is way better than Martin Lawrence in the first two. Um, Oh, for life. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. New new bad boys. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I wasn't clear. Um, I just, I'm, 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 I'm a little down on modern, on modern. Will. I'm not defending. I know I put, king richard on here but like i'm not defending the last like 10 years of career choices there's there's a clear or maybe more like the five years because i like the Shyamalan. where's the Shyamalan? because that's after it is the last movie that i wrote down that's the moment where i was like offended by Shyamalan and offended by will and like worried for his well-being for the remainder of his career um look this guy's been on our lives since the mid 80s girls ain't nothing but trouble is 1986 and if what we get out of his career is like multiple platinum records a hit tv show that people love and 10 to 12 performances that people go back to and enjoy and and watch for generations to come solid career if you ask me oh yeah it's an excellent career Ah! that's right that's right get up get up that's what you get (laughs) look at you ship all banged up Who's the man? Huh? Who's the man? Wait till I get another plane. I'm lining all your friends up right beside you. Where you at, huh? Huh? Where you at? Welcome to Earth. Next up is Independence Day Top 5, Jeff Goldblum performance. So here's my nitpick, my cinema sin about the movie. You would know this better than anybody else. How long is the drive from New York to DC? Uh, d- depends on traffic. Three and a half hours if you're lucky, more like four. So if you're in the middle of maybe Manhattan, four, it could be like four and a half. If you're in the middle of Manhattan mm-hmm. and you're with your dad and you say to him, we need to get to DC right away during a crisis moment where aliens have showed up. Are you getting there in like two hours? Especially the speed that dad was driving. The speed that dad is driving, there's absolutely no way you could get there in two hours. Okay. That's my nitpick of the movie. That they basically drive from New York to DC and it's like, yeah, we did this. We did this perfectly fine. Um, I, I Jeff Goldblum's like an enigma in, in Hollywood. He's like an icon for like, thing but not like as a movie star but like people know like oh it's, it's jeff goldblum so people look to him for a certain thing can you wrap your mind around what that thing is yeah. like the goldblum of it all <laughs> you know let me say the 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 meta character that jeff goldblum has been playing this sort of budget bill murray thing he's been doing for the last mm, 10 years good does call. does very little for me i i don't i don't like it i don't think it's funny i find his like disney plus show quite insufferable um i really i'm not i'm not here for it and it's kind of a bummer because i think jeff goldblum is is a really interesting actor who can at least be deployed well doing this shtick like i think taika waititi uses him extremely well in in thor 3 ragnarok um Mm -hmm. but in general i'm just 
I'm just not into the the shtick. Give me give me the good actor back who did all sorts of interesting stuff, but he was like a really good actor. And it's telling because he was like a regular in Robert Altman movies. He was in California Split in Nashville, granted in small parts, but if Altman's like, please keep coming back, that means you're a good actor. That's like a pretty bright line rule. He's in, he's in, you know, stuff that's not on my list, small roles. He's in like the right stuff. That movie's fucking awesome. Like he's just in a lot of things that are, are good and effective. Um, I don't know. I, I find him a little, a little, a little inscrutable. I find him difficult to parse. I kind of don't know what he wants for his career. He, he's clearly in, in late life, like huge prostitute for money. Cause he's mm. doing all sorts of like ri- ridiculous, like almost like Bruce Willis level, like sellout type stuff. Now. I don't know. Like I, I love Jeff Goldblum. I love a lot of his early stuff and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a Grinch. But what, what do you think of his like aesthetic? And his I thing? very much struggled with. So here's the problem. I struggled with my five. Not because it was like hard to f- pick the order. It was like hard to get to five. Um, oh, I, I, I had that issue with Pullman. I thought it was super easy for Goldblum for me. So it's, but like in stuff I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of his Altman movies. So he's in them for like five minutes. They're, those are not contenders. One thing I think you and our listeners will know about me though, is there's one particular character that he did do that I saw him in first. That means a lot to me, which is why that character might show up twice on my list because he's in two different movies as that character. I think because I saw him as Dr. Malcolm first, I applied that to every single thing I've seen him in after that. So as a result, him saying the exact same line must go faster, must go faster in independence day endears him to me for that role in this movie. Also like, look, I talk about my dad, pastor Claudio, a lot. His other job is a man in IT, the underappreciated department of every corporation. So seeing a man in IT crack the code that saves the world is also somewhat endearing to me as well. Um, it's why this performance works for me a lot. His shtick, he's Ian Malcolm in almost everything I see him yeah. in. So I don't... I, I, I Anything I see him in, I'm, I'm then projecting, hey, wow, I love Jurassic Park to this other movie, um, which, you know, I, I don't have like that high of a bar for Jeff Goldblum, but that's why I think, you know, that movie, when we eventually do it, will be one of the easier top fives that we do, um, or the easier pods that we do. Um, what are your top five Jeff Goldblum performances? So number one for me is easy. It's a movie that I've mentioned before. Uh, it's and it goes to the list of good directors he worked with early in his career. The Fly with Cronenberg. Mm. Uh, that movie is really good. He's really good in it. Uh, I would recommend watching it. I don't need to dive deep into a movie about a person turning into a human fly for you. But suffice to say, it's perhaps the finest example of the body horror genre that I have ever seen. Number two is a movie that I just saw. Uh, I'd never seen it before. It was only vaguely on my radar. It actually would change my rankings now retroactively on the Matrix podcast for Lawrence Fishburne, then known as Larry Fishburne. It's it's a movie called Deep Cover, mm. which was recently released on, wait for it, the Criterion Collection, which Great. is why I saw it. Um, <laughs> it it's, it's like really good. And Jeff Goldblum plays this like sleazy lawyer who's associated with the drug runners. He's fantastic in it. Fishburne's amazing. I, I it's, I'm like blown away by how good Fishburne is in it. It's directed by Bill Duke, who's like a character actor who you probably know from like Commando and Predator. Uh, this is like a this is like a really fucking cool movie. And 
fun trivia, the theme song based off the title of the movie is the first, um, it's like the debut for Dr. Dre and for Snoop Dogg in the same ah, song. Wow. Okay. Which is, uh, that's fucking crazy. It, it, maybe, maybe the criterion adding it will like raise it up in profile. This is a really, really cool movie that had not really been on my radar until criterion brought it back. Uh, definitely, definitely worth checking out. Uh, three is Jurassic park. Um, for all the reasons that I'm going to let, I'm going to let you mm-hmm. geek out on. Uh, but it's good. And four will be the 19, I believe it's 78 version of invasion of the body snatchers. He plays uh, the really the, the like of the main characters, the one who gets body snatched. So it's kind of a double role where he plays uh, like the person who's an alien double uh, invasion of the body snatchers is good. The remake is good. I like this movie and I like Goldblum in it. It's one of, it's kind of, it's like young baby Goldblum. I think so worth seeing and my number five is a movie that i think has also come up before a couple of times maybe on soundtracks uh that's gonna be the big chill and the big chill is a good movie about baby boomers coming back together to celebrate the death of a friend so before i get to my five you don't like him in this movie then in independence day yeah it's my six. Oh, it's your six so it just misses the list it wow. just misses the list Wow. Okay. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's funny in it, but I think he's doing like a budget version of Jurassic Park. Yeah. I think that's why it works for me a little bit more because Jurassic Park's my number one. Independence Day is my number two. Um, Have you seen The Fly? That's my number three. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like The Fly. I just like 80 special effects leave something to be desired when you've seen Jurassic Park and Independence Day. Um, I, I think it's his most, it's a weird way to say this. It's his most developed character, but like, look, Jurassic Park, I just mentioned how sexy I find Will Smith. There is no man I've ever seen on screen that's more sexy than Jeff Goldblum after they've escaped in the Jeep and he's laying down back at the compound with his shirt open sideways. Like, I'm sorry that there's just a man has never looked sexier. A person has never looked sexier on screen than in that moment when Dr. Ian Malcolm does that in that movie. Since we're blowing open our Kinsey scales tonight, can I can I tell you that I, I I'm much more a Sam Neill guy. Give me some give me some Alan Grant before. You can go uh, too. Give me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm, let's get kinky. I'm dead. I need much more of a man's man and less of a less of a fucking math nerd uh-huh. to for for my tastes. Give me some Sam. Wait, Neill. so you don't find wait Neil's the math nerd? No. Yeah, he's a paleontologist. He's a scientist. He's a scientist, but he's like an adventurer who wears cool outfits and has a raptor thing that he uses to intimidate small children. My number four is The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Another Dr. Ian Malcolm (laughs) performance. Uh, And my number five. Wait, do you think he'll get to act in Dominion? As opposed to what he did in Fallen Kingdom? Yeah, which Uh, they had him on set for a day. I'm convinced they were like, here, just sit down and we'll film both of your scenes. And here's a million dollars. You're on yes. the Bruce Willis plan. Exactly. Um, and then my number five, you mentioned uh, <laughs> it's his contribution to the MCU, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, <laughs> I dig him as the Grandmaster. I think Ragnarok's also, like, as a whole, a pretty fun movie. And that entire sequence on the garbage planet is, is pretty fun. Um, so those are my top five with the big chill and invasion of the body snatchers as my two honorable mentions. I've also never seen deep cover, which I like, I wrote it down to watch for when we did, uh, when we did the matrix, I just didn't get a chance to it. So maybe that would crack 
I happen to hold three or three or four of these movies pretty high regard. So maybe that would crack. Maybe that would beat out a uh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, that that movie. I just and, and maybe it's like my buzz over that movie generally. It's it's really good. Ed Fishburne's the best part of it, but that movie is really, really good. What was that? Not, not, not the spaceship. What was that Roswell? Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. No, thing. you had the spaceship and you had the bodies. They were all locked up in a in a bunker. <laughs> Where was that? David. I don't know. A- Area Fifty One, right? Area Fifty One. You knew then, and you did nothing, sir. Regardless of what you may have read in the tabloids, there have never been any spacecraft recovered by our government. Take my word for it. There's no Area 51. <laughs> There's no recovered spaceship. Oh, excuse me, Mr. President. That's not entirely accurate. Next up is Independence Day Top 5 Bill Pullman performance. So, um, I struggled. Uh, yes, yes is the answer. I struggled <laughs> with this guy. Ooh. And I will say, you are yeah. responsible yeah, my for bad. why I actually had a... No, no, this is a positive. Oh. You're responsible. I was able to get to five actually pretty easily, but like I, I, because there's a movie that I had to recently watch because Betty White passed away that ended up on my top five. <laughs> um, but like this guy has one of the most iconic movie president performances ever has one of the most iconic speeches in cinematic history. And most of his other great stuff is on television, allegedly. I have not seen most of the shows that he's in, but like you look down his career, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot there cinematically, but there's a consistent working actor throughout the majority of his career that has now found a niche in television. Um, your thoughts on Pullman? Because we're going to do a different category for presidents, but your thoughts on Pullman? I think he's a good actor. And I think, you know, we, we've, over the episodes tried to get away from actors where it's hurting us, like causing us physical pain to get to five performances. Um, you know, we don't need any more like my super ex-girlfriend making it for Uma mm. Thurman events. Yes. And, and I just thought that there would be more that I liked for Pullman. And it turns out there's just a lot of like tiny roles in things that somehow in my brain, probably because I saw a lot of these movies in the wake of independence day, I was like, Oh, that's a Bill Pullman movie. And then I look now and I'm like, Bill Pullman's in that movie for like six minutes. That mm-hmm. that can't be on my list. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I haven't watched the sinner or, or uh, Halston, the Ewan McGregor show on Netflix, but I've heard he's quite good in both of those. I have no opinion there. I, I, I like Bill Pullman and I, I guess I'm just kind of bummed that I wasn't as I wasn't as fired up about this as I thought I might be. And when we watched Lake Placid a couple of weeks ago, I was like, this is a good movie star. Like, this is a movie star performance here. And I I guess he's just not a movie star. He started a few things, but he's just like, really not. I think that speaks to the largeness of the Whitmore character. That's a and good point. We'll expand more on that in a different category, but how high we hold him as this character. That's a really good point. Makes us think that, oh, he's like got this, he's a movie star. He's got this great career. He like, we think of him, think of some of the greatest, you know, performances yet. There is not a lot outside of that, that we think him as, um, I don't, like, it's rude to call him a one hit wonder, but when that hit is such a hit, it, you know, it, it makes it so much greater. My top five Bill Pullman performances. Number one, 
an obvious number one is Independence Day. I will talk about why in the next category. Number two is Spaceballs, the parody of all Star Wars, Star Trek things that uh, came out in the 80s. I think 1985 to be exact. Um, this movie, I've never talked about. Well, we talked about it. When we talk about uh, with John Hurt because he reenacts the the Kane Chesper sequence in that movie. Um, I the first time I watched Spaceballs, I thought it was like terrible. Like, I thought it was boring. And then the more I kept watching it, because it kept it showed up on Netflix and it was just like, all right, I'm, I'm doing work. Let me put this on. I just grew on me over time to the point where when they're combing the desert and he says, we ain't found shit is like one of the funniest moments in movie history of all time for me. So Spaceballs would be my number two. Um, my number three, speaking of rom-coms, so in the 80s, there was a movie where Sandra Bullock, um, she sees a guy that she finds attractive. He's 90s, by 90s. She's not that it's old. It's a 90s. 90s. Oh, it's like My other movie is in the 80s. Um, uh, Sandra Bullock sees a guy that she finds attractive, played by Peter Gallagher. Um, he falls off the platform of a train track of, of a train and falls onto the tracks and gets knocked unconscious. And then she jumps down as an oncoming train is coming at slow speed, like approaching speed and rolls underneath the platform with him to save his life at the hospital. When he, they find out he's in a coma, she shows up and in order to see him says she's his fiance. It's a movie called while you are sleeping, because for the rest of the movie, she pretends to be this guy's in a coma, this guy in a coma's fiance and like falls in love with her family, gets invited to all these family functions. And Bill Pullman plays the guy's brother who she then might have feelings for instead and is not in a coma. And she actually gets to know his personality. I think it's the most charming we've ever seen. Bill Pullman. It's why that movie works for me a lot. Um, yeah. So while you were sleeping, my number three, I actually forgot what year this other movie came out, but have you seen the David Lynch film lost highway? You know what? I, ha- I haven't, I know that it's, it's the first time we've done one of these, where one of these, one of these actors where I looked at the most cited things on letterboxd mm-hmm. and I, I like hadn't seen something in the top 15 or 16 or so. Uh, no, I have not. I've not seen it. This movie is bananas okay all lynch movies are but like no 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 this is even bananas for david lynch and i think that's like the the ebert and robert uh, the siskel and ebert review was literally like this is like (laughs) what the this is this is very david lynch like there's cool imagery but the it just makes no sense um i'm gonna try and give the plot synopsis so pullman is a guy he's a saxophonist that is married to patricia arquette starts getting VHS tapes of like like a guy walking around his house at night and he's like wondering where this com- doesn't know if they're like because he's also got this issue with insomnia so he doesn't know if this is happening while he's sleeping or this is all a dream if he's imagining the VHS tapes happening then one morning he wakes up early sees a VHS tape in a package for him he opens it puts it in the VCR and it shows him murdering his wife and then it flashes to him in jail like on murder for his uh, on trial for murder like that's the first 35 minutes of the movie like so did he imagine the first thing um pullman plays like a guy with insomnia that has no idea what's going on like every audience member watching this movie very well and like 
I just said the first 35 minutes. I haven't even told you the crazier part that I'll just, if you want to read the, if you want to watch it, the whole movie is available on YouTube. If you want to watch, like read the Wikipedia plot synopsis, do that too. And as you read, you'll be like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? So that's my number four. My number five is Lake Placid. He plays Sheriff Jake, Sheriff Jake Wells. Um, Oz forced me to watch this movie a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's 82 minutes of pleasure and of an alligator or crocodile uh, torturing a bunch of people on a lake and a bear on a lake and a helicopter on a lake. Um, so yeah, those are my top five Bill Pullman performances. Oz, your top five. All right. Number one, Independence Day. It's pretty easy. It is mm-hmm. a fucking charismatic movie star performance. Number two, while you were sleeping, everything you said about it is right on. He's super charming. I like that movie. I think it's good. It's a little, it's a little creepy. Um, she should be, be honest, in jail. Yeah. It's a little, that's my biggest weird. takeaway. Like, yeah. uh, like equality, right? Like yeah, imagine a dude doing that. She I, should be in jail. <laughs> it it is like the plot of like one of those gross Adam Sandler romantic comedies, but it's yes. played like sweet here instead of you know like Adam Sandler vaguely being a rapist, like half of his romantic comedies. Yes. Um, number three is a movie that I quite I quite adore, but is probably too boring for people who don't have a legal background, and that is called Dark Waters. Mm. It is a, a movie starring Mark Ruffalo. Uh, it's about toxins being dumped in the water and poisoning uh poisoning a town and i love this movie in large part because it is a uh it's the only movie that like gets right how undramatic and boring and shitty legal work is so it's the movie where like the big confrontation the big deposition he finally gets to question the the evil corporate person played by the great bill camp um and he goes to the deposition and he has to stop and be like, well, I'm going to mark this document as exhibit 57 uh, court reporter. Could you mark it and passes it <laughs> to the witness and gives the witness a chance to review it. It shows the like soul crushing, grinding, busy work that is actually doing law shit instead of, you know, like the fun like law and order version of it. And I think it's really effective for that. Uh I so in this movie, uh, Pullman plays the local counsel for the Ruffalo character. The way it works in the legal profession is that you are a lawyer in in one state or multiple states that, that you are uh, accredited in, and um, if you want to do something in a state where you are not a lawyer, you need to get local counsel who helps support you. So uh, Mark Ruffalo plays a big city lawyer, and he needs to have a local lawyer to kind of pull him into the community and also to help with the sort of procedural matters. And Pullman plays that character. And I think it's a, an effective balance counterpoint. The two have a good chemistry. It's a good performance in what I actually legitimately think is maybe the single most underrated movie of the last 10 years. Dark Waters is very good. I enjoyed it. Uh, four is Spaceballs. It's funny. <laughs> I like it. It makes me laugh. I. It's one where I'm a little afraid to revisit it. It has that uh, that Space Jam factor for me. Um, uh, where you know maybe like Barf isn't going to be so funny. Yeah. Um, now I like Airplane too. I will say it is a an 80s comedy. But yeah, I do think my it, favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I do think it. I, hold, I think it holds up enough. Is that is me trying to ease your fears that it will age poorly when you see it next you did not ease them all that at all (laughs) okay um and the last one is going to be a movie that i mentioned for i believe alan rickman once upon a time which is a film called bottle shock Mm. which is a movie a movie about something i quite love uh 
wine, um, where <laughs> it's about the first uh, American vineyard to win this important French wine taste test competition. Uh, he plays the he and uh, I think it's young Chris Pine actually play the uh, owners of the vineyard that the Alan Rickman character works with to uh, create the wine that will go on to win the competition. So uh, he's good and funny in that movie, which I would actually quite recommend. And I try to be good about not recommending or saying like, this is a good performance in a movie you shouldn't waste your time on. This is a pretty good one. Deep cover is our, please go watch it of the week, but this is good. Uh, my runners up honorable mentions are Lake Placid, which I think is uh, delightful trash and uh, Titan AE, which is an animated movie starring Matt Damon about uh, what happens after earth. That's what the AE stands <laughs> for. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's about like humans living in space. It, I I really liked this movie when I was like 13 years old or whenever it came out. Um, I think it's kind of charming. I watched a lot of it with with Logan um, a couple months ago, and I think it holds up pretty well. It's it has all these like really strange creature designs. It's got some sexuality to it, which is kind of nice for a a kids thing. It, it's kind of like a a new ish take on Star Wars, just animated. I, I think it's worth I think it's worth checking out, especially if you have younglings. So Titan AE, he plays kind of the the like mentor-ish figure to the Damon character. My only honorable mention is when he shows up as Gina Davis's husband in League of Their Own. I love that movie. I love that movie too. And that's why like an honorable mention is like I've I've never been happier to see Bill Paxton outside of Pullman, you did it. You did the did thing I that everyone does. Paxton? Yeah. I did Paxton. Yes, Pullman versus Paxton. That was literally what the box office did this year. Pullman versus Paxton. I know there is much we can learn from each other if we can negotiate a truce. We can find a way to coexist. Can there be a peace between us? What is it you want us to do? Die. Next up is Independence Day of a top five movie American president. So I have two questions before we see our list. I don't think we clarified or maybe we did. And I just like forgot doing the research. Is this fictional? Like, are we are we including like portrayals of real life presidents? Here's my take. It's all fictional. It just happens to be okay. based on a real person. I mean, these aren't documentaries. So like, I know that Daniel Day-Lewis like, like lived as Abraham Lincoln for six mm -hmm. months or something. That's acting. He's not really Abraham Lincoln. It's not a documentary. So it counts. I'm going to say I, I did movie American presidents. If you want to pivot to just ones not based on real people, I, I can do that. But I, I, I'll say that I'm, I certainly have more entrance in the aspirational, what we hope a president <laughs> could be category, because most of our depictions of presidents on film are like Nixon or mm -hmm. Frost Nixon or mm -hmm. Elvis and Nixon or seven more movies with Nixon. Nixon. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I, it only changes my list one then. Cause I, I did one obvious one from anybody that's listened to me on this pod. Um, there is a Nixon I would nominate to be honest. Now that I'm rethinking. I went with aspirational too. So I, 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 I would be like, yay, Frank Langella. That's a great performance, but that's not what I want. I want like what an American president can and should be. Oh. I want to, I want to cleanse the vile taint of the last 
the last however many years in American history. I want I want to love America again. I want to love the presidency. So give me give me somebody like Bill Pullman to be my president. And if if a f- real if a version of a real character hits that spot for me, great. I don't want fucking misery here. I don't want to I don't want to hate. I don't want Nixon. I don't want fucking Brendan Gleeson playing Trump. Let, let, let's let's do happy things. I have a question speaking of the T word. So I tried to think of movie presidents during the Trump presidency. Did he everyone did feels he kill like the me. yeah but so like did he kill the movie president is what everyone is basically feels my question. Like well well in fairness it, it also dovetails with like the death of films for adults and all that stuff moving to TV and miniseries. Uh-huh. So like, you know, the Comey rule has Trump in it and that's a miniseries. And 10 years ago, that would have been a movie. So I don't think he's entirely killed it. I mean, we have like a, a pretty interesting president and in don't look up that just came out this year. But okay. It, yeah. They, as a, as a major character, but yeah, he, he I really guess I tried to think of like from 2016 on the only one I could think of was the Bob Odenkirk is in long shot. Um, the, Oh, Seth yeah, Rogen, Seth Rogen, Charlie Starrett movie where she's that like movie, running for president. He plays like a president that was a former reality TV star, which that meta. movie should have made like two hundred million dollars and been one of the biggest romantic comedies ever. And it flopped miserably because mm-hmm. everyone is so depressed about the idea of seeing like a pro political movie. We're all so like yeah. broken and frazzled and worn out on it. Yeah. By 2019, we absolutely it was like right before 2022. So the pandemic hadn't even happened. Um that movie's yeah. a, a masterpiece. Yeah, I, I, I love that movie. It's one of the best romantic comedies ever made. The the O'Shea Jackson Jr. character is actually like a nice touch of like oh, and yeah, hilarious. It's like easily reach across the aisle. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, all that said, I was trying to think of like who like do we do a movie presidents anymore? And other than Morgan Freeman reprising that role <laughs> a couple times, uh, I just I couldn't. I wondered if Trump had had if I I, I hypothesized if Trump had ruined movie presidents forever. I think, and I, I wonder if Aaron Eckhart back. has played the president like four times in, okay. in Gerard Butler movies since then. But that's uh, that's about it. Okay, that's fair. Um, all right, it's uh, it's your turn to it's go my first. Turn. Your top five American movie presidents. It occurs to me I should have written down the names of the fictional parent presidents because ah, I, okay. I don't I don't know them. Uh, but my I might number be able one, to help. I wrote down a bunch. Go ahead. Oh, good. You'll probably be able to help me then. My number one is an, it's an incredibly easy call for me. It's it's one of my all time favorite Die Hard in a Blank movies. I think it is just like joy incarnate. It is my favorite movie stars. Um, mm. One maybe his his last truly great role. Or his last truly great like action star role, and that's Harrison Ford in Air Force One. President James Marshall. Oh, okay. So just as just as like it's like presidential pick them, like toss yeah. a bunch of names in a hat, and that's, that's the name of the president in Air Force One. President Perfect. James Marshall. Uh, that movie's hilarious. Also, uh, it has a great villain performance. I I love it. I love William H Macy and his like weaselness in that movie. And Harrison Ford growling "Get off my plane" will forever be one of my favorite bad action movie lines. <laughs> um, I would like my president to be that that dude. Uh, my number two is going to be the American President, starring Michael Douglas. President which- Andrew Shepard. Thank you. I should have definitely have known the first name there. Uh, that one is also a good aspirational president. That movie is charming. We've talked about it on many occasions, uh, dating back to our very first episode. So uh, yeah, very pro that. My number three, Independence Day, Pullman. About, Thomas J. Whitmore. Sorry. I'm not I'm sure. Interrupt I know it's worth, no, please. Every time. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, my, I, 
I have nothing else to add here. I'm not sure he's actually like a president in this movie. I think he's like a dude in a romantic dramedy who gives a speech. He's more like a sports coach than a president. Um, I'll wait I'll, until it's you, my turn. You, you can rage in a moment. Okay. And uh, my number four is going to be, who oh boy, we're going back to the 1930s here oh, okay. <laughs> for a, a John Ford movie. Uh, it's Henry Fonda in a movie called Young Mr. Lincoln. Can you can you check me on the name of the president there? President that- Abraham Lincoln. Uh, okay. Um, it's actually a, a courtroom drama about Abraham Lincoln when he was a lawyer before he becomes president. I think it, it's uh, it's really like fantastic. It's one of those movies I, I think I first saw in high school and didn't quite get or didn't quite care about because it's black and white and that's scary when you're a dumb kid. And then I've subsequently revisited revisited it in <laughs> the Criterion Collection. Uh, so. Drink. So, uh, yeah, young Mr. Lincoln. Very good. Uh, and my number five is going to be Abraham Lincoln again, this time played by Daniel Day-Lewis. President Abraham Lincoln. Um, okay. We have some, we have very little crossover. This should be fun. Whoa, Um, really? Oh, cool. So my number one is an obvious one. If you've listened to anything I've said on this podcast, I actually don't know. I'm torn between two. President Abraham Lincoln by Daniel Day-Lewis. I thought there was a chance you'd go Pullman. Uh, President Thomas J. Whitmore by Bill Pullman is my number two. I will say these are my clear top two. I was coin flip on which you go. I didn't know. So I think Whitmore, like you said, not only is he a president in this, but like like firing his chief of staff, like midway through the climax of the movie, because fuck it, I was like made fun of and my approval ratings at the beginning of the movie were down because I'm young and inexperienced. It's just an army pilot. Hey, look, it seems like someone who knows how to run the military is actually good experience <laughs> for a time like this. This is why you need me as a president. This is a shout out and a tribute to Eisenhower, which like things that he was criticized for in his presidency were that he didn't know how to relate to people. He just had to do be like a general from a military perspective. And this shows that like just because like we've done this where like people who are in service don't get like taken seriously like john Kerry is probably the best example of that you know where we don't think you actually know how to run a country we don't think you know how to run a military and that's why i think whitmore as a result is like one of the one of my favorite like aspirational presidents too if i want like if tomorrow aliens attack I want Bill Pullman to show up and give a speech and lead our military right now to victory. Cause I think he would as well. Harrison Ford would do better. He would just tell him, he would tell the aliens to get off his plane. He would kill the aliens himself. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, he's on my list. Don't worry. <laughs> um, my number three is president David Kovic played by Kevin Klein in oh, the yeah. movie. Dave. Um, my I've honorable talked- mention. I've talked about why I love this movie in the past, specifically in the Sigourney Weaver pod. Um, This is the comedic version of it. Um, What if the president had a body double and was like a better person, maybe not necessarily a better president. Uh, This is the comedic (laughs) aspect of it. But he passes so much shit in that movie. He does. He passes all this like, like homeless reform and stuff. Yes. That's the movie bullshit. The, Unfortunately, yeah, he, like, he like passes a ton of like good for people stuff. Yes. Which is why it's like, but like, again, the, the articles, like the, the process of it is impossible. Like just signing a bunch of executive orders would unfortunately be able to get it done unless, you know, you have all of Congress on your side. Anyway, um, that's my number three. Andrew Shepard by Michael Douglas is my number four. And then James Marshall by Harrison Ford is my number five. 
with Morgan Freeman as President Thomas Beck in Deep Impact as my number six. Um, what is your? This, that's why I went one through six because if Lincoln doesn't count because it's like based on a real person, um, I will go with five fictional ones. Um, your honorable mentions, Oz. Uh, Dave, it's my Dave. very, very, very clear next contender here. And then actually, I, I, most of my next honorable mentions, if I were to like play this out, are presidents from TV. Okay. So would you go 24? Yeah. 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 I, I would go both, both Dennis Haysbert and Jerry Jones in that are, are killers. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, TV has better presidents than movies lately. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, Veep. Briefly a president. Very Briefly bad one. President, wonderful, yes. wonderful character. Doesn't really fit the aspirational uh, goal no. of all this. But <laughs> I'm just saying she was a president. It is perhaps the greatest comedy ever made. But yeah. Uh, I have President James Dale, played by Jack Nicholson in Mars Attacks, as an honorable mention, as well as President Merkin Muffley, in, played by Peter Sellers in Doctor Strangelove. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That Coke can was protected by the Kraft's shield. We can't penetrate their defenses. We know that already. What's your point? Right. My point is, if we can't beat their defenses, then we got to get around them. Major, one more time. Anytime. How did you do that? I gave it a cold. I gave it a virus. Computer virus. Does Independence Day have a top five, have top five 90s visual effects? So, two notes about the visual effects. The miniatures in this movie, for those who don't know what that is, they are the sets that are built to look like the real life destinations and buildings and uh, monuments that are built down to a smaller scale so that way we can blow them up and make it seem like they actually happen. What happens to Nakatomi Plaza in Die Hard is not taking place on a skyscraper. It is in a warehouse with a miniature. Um, we still we still do this. It's it's good oh yeah. and we should do it more like Casino Royale when the building drops in the water in Venice. That's miniatures. Like it, it's it's just better than CGI. And as a result, this movie was groundbreaking for the amount of miniatures. It was the most ever used at the time when it was filmed um, in the miniatures in this movie. And then the aliens in this movie uh, are practical. And the two um, mock up aliens that were introduced to Emmerich when they were filming the movie um, for, for later in the movie, the two versions that were introduced, he liked both. So he took one and put it inside of the other. And that's why there is a shell that opens up when you go to the Area 51 sequence. Um, this was a difficult category for me because of, like, we've talked about 90 special effects um, in the past. Uh, and I have like four very heavy hitters to include with Independence Day. I got to tell you, I thought this was incredibly difficult. My list mm-hmm. runs 11, 11 deep. And I'm at 10. Yeah. I, I legitimately, 
I 10 and 11 or maybe a hair behind nine could very easily be my number two. Um, very, very easily. My, the only one I feel certain about is my number one. How, how did you approach this from an, an annualization perspective? Is it how good it looks today? Is it how good it looked oh. then? Is it a, is it an amalgamation of the two? Well, so I'm going to flip the question back on you in a second, but what I did was like to make my list first, I went through literally the best visual effects category at the Oscars and wrote down the 50 that were nominated in the 90s. Then I looked throughout the 90s to see if there's anything else that I would add. Unfortunately, that was not. Um, and then I look at visual effects in like, do I forget that I'm watching a movie? Do I think that like this is like fucking real is what is happening in front of me, which will reflect in my list in just a second. Um, you had mentioned when we were originally planning this pod that like for their time was a concept that you were interested in exploring. So for 1996, for its time, how good are Independence Day's visual effects? I'm actually kind of torn on this because I think they're incredibly impressive in some ways and kind of like fine in others. There's stuff only a year or two later that I think is is just straight up better doing similar things, um, which will come up on my list. And I think that there are other examples of aliens in the 90s that are more effective. And I think there are other things that are more technologically innovative. I think what, what Independence Day does for the better is it sort of iterates and improves on something that a lot of the great disaster movies of the seventies, like towering Inferno and the Poseidon adventure start with this model work. And obviously star Wars is, is as integral to the development of, of model miniatures as any movie could be. So I, I think that independence day is like an important evolution there. And I know that, as you said, they did some of like the biggest ones ever. And obviously these special effects are astonishing and part of why this movie made so much money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I, I'm kind of torn on what what to do here. I, I'm actually thinking about shifting around some of my order right now, but I'll make the decision like on the fly as I'm as I'm picking them. This was this is this is tough. There are a lot of interesting innovators. I actually kind of bristled when we were going to do just 90s for this mm-hmm. category because I didn't think it would be sufficient. But I actually I, I kind of think there's some killers here in the 90s. This is this is a strong category. Yeah, I think there's some. There's some ones that to this day hold up too, which yeah. I think add to the effectiveness yeah, totally of agree. it. Um, okay. Can My I top five. Can I just one break for him? Yeah, go ahead. Do you care that I'm just like eating a little bit here? You can't hear not it. At all. Can't hear. Okay. Not at all. Can't hear it. You're good. And we're not video. We're not playing this video. That's this won't be a video. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, okay. My top five um, 90s visual effects. Uh, my number one should surprise nobody, and it's Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs, the end. That's that's my take on visual effects. Um, my number two is Titanic. I I'm convinced to this day the way that they filmed the sinking of the Titanic is they built a ship to size and sunk the Titanic in the middle of the Atlantic after hitting an iceberg with it. So that's my number two. Uh, my number three is a pod we've already done, and it's The Matrix. Um, the practical effects in that are great. The visual effects in that are great. Um, and collectively, it adds to the brilliance of that movie. My number four. Okay. There's a, there's a cluster of a couple. Um, my number four is going to be T2 Judgment Day. Now, there are moments where 
it doesn't hold up, but like the T one thousand walking through the jail cell bars, like the 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 bars and the I guess the mental institution bars, is like holy shit. Now now what do we do? Um, the T one thousand walking out of fire and like everything, really everything about the T one thousand. Um, the multiple shots being fired at it at the end, uh, all of it is just kind of extraordinary. So that'll be my number four with Independence Day being my number five. Um, the I, I can't like stress enough the the moment the ships peek through the clouds in New York City is like a a a a, a entrance scene that is like gives me chills rewatching it this week. So I'll go that as my top five with some man, the honorable mentions I'm hoping you mention. And then if we don't mention, I'll, I'll sing their praises in just a second. Oz, your top five nineties visual effects. Number one, very easily is Jurassic Park. There's just, there's just no question about it. It's the perfect assemblage of, of CGI and practical. It's, it's perfect. It's just, it's a masterpiece in every way. Uh, number two is a movie that I think you actually underrated just now. And that's Terminator two judgment day. Mm-hmm. I can remember when that movie came out. That was one I saw when I was like six years old. Thanks mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> the helicopter. Yeah. Which is the only part you didn't mention when, when Robert Patrick takes over the helicopter and does like the cloney face thing. Um, that is so fucking cool. That was so mind blowing to me. I, I, I that I remember so vividly. I, I just it, it it's it was closer to number one than number three for mm-hmm. me on T two. I think it's it's also incredibly important in the I understand in the in the technological evolution of the way that we deploy CGI. Like CGI people look at T two and are like, how the fuck did they do that? They just they like broke open a new universe of how to do this stuff. So um, I'll also say, uh, don't call this reporting or anything like that, but there is some buzz about Avatar 2 and what they're doing with this underwater tech they've come up with that uh, you should start getting really, really excited for how awesome Avatar 2 is going to be. Okay. Uh, number three is a movie that I, I don't care when everyone disagrees with me on this. Um, I love it. I actually think for its time, it has the greatest interactions between people and CGI that I think had ever existed. Uh, it's also a movie that I, I passionately adore. Uh, it's a little film called Starship Troopers. Oh, <laughs> I, love I, really, yeah. I really do think that the effects are, are extraordinarily effective for their time. I think our eyes are better trained at picking up the ways they're fake now, but the balls of doing that movie almost entirely in daylight so many of the action scenes are outdoors in the light. That's where your CGI gets exposed. And Verhoeven is like, fuck it. Not only am I doing that, I'm going to do slow motion close-ups of these CGI bugs. And the space stuff is good. I just, I think there's, there's so much skill in the craft of the CGI of Starship Troopers that that's going to be my number three. My number four, I'm sorry, is Armageddon, which <laughs> I think does big city destruction better than Independence Day. I think that like the New York destruction at the beginning of that movie is, is, better it's more it's more interesting in its design it's not just we're gonna blow up our little models one time it's a lot more creative and they even throw in one of those we're gonna blow up our little model for paris in that movie and all the stuff of flying spaceships around is way better in uh armageddon than in independence day my number five is the matrix okay and i Um, uh honorables i guess i guess i go first on honorables titanic independence day what dreams may come the two uh, 
kind of offshoots that I think are a little behind Men in Black and Dante's Peak, actually, which I think is pretty good on this. And the one that uh, we didn't mention that I think deserves a moment of praise here is Forrest Gump, which is not what you would think of as a CGI movie, but it has some of the most impressive. It's called compositing when you kind of put somebody into a scene they're not actually behind. And as someone who watched Moonfall yesterday and saw what compositing can look like um when it looks like a sci-fi channel original movie uh i i have to say that the the compositing of putting tom hanks in these scenes with these like famous scenes in history and all throughout the world is is really mind-blowing and holds up like pretty close to perfectly so i I, i'm actually as i talk it out i'm changing my list and i'm dropping oh shit i'm dropping (laughs) i'm dropping i'm actually you know what i'm changing it a lot i am dropping matrix off i'm dropping Starship Troopers to fourth, Armageddon to fifth, and I'm putting Forrest Gump all the way at third. Talk wow. myself into it in real time. Okay. I told you I was struggling I with this Watch list. your brain work that way. Wow. Yep. It's just, oh, it's just better. It's like the best performance ever at that particular skill in filmmaking. And it's probably because of Moonfall that I changed my, my list. Yeah. But like, we still don't know how to do compositing very well. We see it. Uh, there's so many shows like COVID shows now where it's clear if you've watched and just like that, every time they're in like a restaurant or at a party or at an event or anything like that, you could see how fucking fake it is. They're clearly sitting in front of a green screen and it's just like two people at a table and everything else is just like not there. Like the, mm. the sound doesn't sync up. It doesn't look right. The lighting is all fucked up. And uh, to see a movie in 1994 do it better than what we're doing in 2022, Forrest Gump rocks. That's number three. Yeah, I, it's on my honorables. You said three of them, actually. Um, so Apollo 13 is the one we Ooh. haven't mentioned yet. Um, and then Bad Twist by me. That and then Twister would be my other. Ooh, also should have been on there for, yeah. for honorable um, mentions. 1996 as well. Rock and roll. Oops. Oops. What does that mean? What do you mean? Uh, no, I, I got it. I'm uh, from, some jerk didn't put... I know I, what I, I, I mean, mean when fine. I say oops, what do you mean saying oops there? <laughs> well, you say we tried that one again, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, without the oops. Yes, that. that way. Oh, I have got to give me one of these! Next up, ready to fight it out? Is Independence Day a top five invasion disaster movie? So behind the scenes, we originally had these as two separate categories. And Oz was like, we should do movie presidents. I'm rewatching it. We need to do something about movie presidents because Pullman fucks. Um, And I was like, well, do you want to cut disaster? Because this is an invasion movie. And Oz was like, no, it's a disaster movie. Let's cut invasion. And I was like, no. And we texted it out. And I was like, you know what? Let's call Over it over the course of like two days. We, yeah. we, we spent like hours on this. Let's let's call it invasion disaster and then fight it out on the pod. So Oz, aliens invade. It's an invasion movie. I, there's the, a, the defense there's rests, a, your honor. Go ahead. There's a construct of disaster movies and how they work. And the way disaster mm-hmm. movies work is that some horrible thing happens. It could be a wave. It could be I don't know, fragments of the moon hitting into Earth. It can be an alien invasion. It could be a fire in a building that causes the tension 
for all of the characters. A disaster happens, which then triggers how the characters respond to said disaster. Um, in some cases, it can be just a buildup to the disaster, but the more conventional version is what Independence Day does, which is that there's a disaster and then you deal with the fallout of the disaster. You know, everything from there are creature movies that fit this, all sorts of things. Alien invasion movies tend to be a lot more about the interaction between the aliens and the people. So what I what I just don't think that Independence Day exists in the same universe as like Close Encounters of the Third Kind or Arrival or even uh, like invasion of the body snatchers or something like that. Or one of these like great fifties B movies, like the day the earth stood still. It's just not the same sort of thing. It, it has, it has none of the same sort of intellectual curiosity. The point of independence day is to get your jollies off on people getting fucking destroyed all around the earth. And then the earth coming back to, to, resist the thing that's destroying them. And that thing could be a fire in a skyscraper or a giant rogue wave that flips your boat. Uh, there's just a lot. There's lots of options for how it sets up. Aliens can be one of them. So my counterpoint. Well, like I do see your point, like probably in the overall umbrella of disaster movies is where these invasion movies exist. Um, my counterpoint is that Emmerich and Devlin, when coming up with the idea for Independence Day, they were on the press tour for Stargate. And he mentioned how like he's intrigued by the idea of aliens. And the idea for Independence Day was that they looked at all of the normal invasion movies and they all involve, like you mentioned, close encounters, invasions of the body snatchers. Um, They all involve the aliens are already here and they slowly, secretly start to invade from within. And they're like, all of a sudden, wow, how did we not see them here this entire time? They all arise from from Cold War, Red Scare era filmmaking which like fine that's the historical context of it i agree i I appreciate that their intent with this movie is to make it more of it was literally they wanted to have a grand entrance there's no secrecy to this there is more of like ta-da aliens are here to invade they literally said in the press store in the make areas the making of this movie we wanted to put a different spin on the invasion movie so Roland Emmerich thinks this is an invasion movie. Now he's like the modern day like disaster movie guy, but I guess where I separate the two and where I think of this more of an invasion movie is that the disaster usually comes from something that was out of your control and it's about our response. Now and aliens can be part of that, which is where that happens, but the invasion is what differentiates it. That like the wave in the day after tomorrow is not sentient it's not a conscious thing it's just a wave whereas the aliens and it becomes more of a war and you're fighting off the aliens that are invading that is my counterpoint my counterpoint is that dean devlin once as a young boy watched the towering inferno and thought Mm -hmm. wow this movie fucking rocks (laughs) and then he was like i'm gonna make an alien movie and i'm gonna steal a bunch of shit from from like airport and and the poseidon adventure and i'm gonna make an alien movie that's actually a disaster movie. And then I'm going to keep doing it over and over again and just give in and admit that I'm a guy who <laughs> makes disaster movies because that's what both of them did for the rest of their lives. I think we're both right. Okay. Um, it's fine. So I just made a list of disaster movies. So uh, is your, is it your turn to go first? Yeah. Cause I went first for, uh, for visual effects. So your top five uh, invasion disaster movies. Um, 
Okay. My number one is a movie that I quite adore. I understand that this may be a controversial opinion here, but I think the greatest disaster movie ever made is uh, a little movie from 1998. Um, look, I, I don't want to close wow. my eyes. I, I don't want to fall asleep <laughs> yet because I'll, I'll miss you, baby. And I, I, I don't want to miss a thing. So Armageddon is going to be my favorite disaster movie of all time. I understand there are reasons why it may not be the best. Fuck that. It's my list. Number one, Armageddon. Number two, I think it counts as a disaster movie. It's also a romance. And that's why it's number two. Um, that's Titanic. It's going to be my... Ooh. Oh, wow. It, okay. It's, it's that is, okay. Yeah, that's a disaster movie. Good call. Uh, my number three, boy, we're going to play the hits here of something that I've mentioned like 15 times on this. And you guys are going to watch it someday. And then you're going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with Oz? And why did he make us watch this? And then you're going to wake up a week later and be like... Why have I thought about that movie every single night? And why do I just like want to kill myself now? Uh, and my number three is going to be Melancholia, uh, a movie <laughs> which is a disaster movie. It oh, is God. about the personification <laughs> of depression coming and destroying the earth. Uh, my number four is uh, a movie that I actually really like and I don't think is, is particularly well loved these days, but I don't care. And that's the perfect storm. I think the perfect storm mm. is like an insanely effective, albeit kind of simple disaster movie. I think it, I think it works really well. I, I know that I'm picking ones that are d violating the structure that I just laid out of like bad things happen and humans recover, whatever. Perfect storm is good. And I cast really fucking good. Uh, and finally, Diane Lane's Boston accent aside, but yes, that cast I don't care about really accents aren't acting. That's mimicry, but Diane Lane is good I'm, in that movie. I'm just saying you can tell she She's good in that movie close. and has good chemistry with oh, uh, with oh, Marky that's a, Mark. That's a disagreement. I, uh, I don't and, think she's good at all. And uh, number five is uh, a movie that we've we've mentioned a couple times today. Twister. I think Twister. Ah, okay. I think Twister is awesome. I I really like that movie. It has like like baby Jack Black in there. Like there's there's just a lot of cool shit in that movie. It's I, I know I've, I I always mentioned baby Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, that movie is is. Just so much fun. So I guess I guess for me, Paxton Beach Pullman. So this is good because we have no crossover whatsoever. Because I stuck with the alien invasion aspect from my five, where this like is if the it was first time we've had a category where we're I don't, just, we're just not agreeing on what the category none whatsoever. is whatsoever. Yeah. So I went with the invasion disaster, which is why Independence Day is my number one. Edge of Tomorrow is my number two. It should shock How nobody. How is that a disaster movie? It's an invasion it's movie. But it's already invaded. They're like, there's no invasion in that movie. They're just in a world where aliens have taken over, aren't they? Yeah. And they're every time they're every time that they're trying to fight them back, they're being invaded. They've like, already that's been happening invaded. At, but no, but Haven't that's happening every invaded? day. No, it's they're already literally invaded. happening every okay. day that they're trying to go fight off an attack because the aliens lure them in. And think, oh, you're winning. And then they attack them at that beach scene. And then there's that whole sequence in London. Yeah, where but they that's the aliens have already yet. been around for a while, I thought. They're here, but they haven't like fully attacked yet, mm -hmm. is my point. They haven't invaded yet. They've arrived, but that's why, like, my next movie, War of the Worlds. They're here, but they haven't attacked yet. They're which, invasion. Which one? The one, the Spielberg one with Tom Cruise. Um, my number four is Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan movie with... Mel Gibson. Um, oh, wait. So we're not going to have the same multiple Mel's today. I have a third. Oh, okay. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, I, I, Signs, look, 
fuck Mel Gibson aside, uh, one of the spookier alien invasion movies I've ever seen. Uh, and then my number five is a movie you've mentioned in like you're the exception to the all found footage movies stink, and that's Cloverfield. Um, I've never I, said they stink. I think I probably said far cruder things about them than that. The, so. the, the one the one found footage movie that you like. That's okay, true. is Cloverfield. I happen to like it a lot as well, which is why it's my number five. Matt Reeves, um, baby. Your honorable mentions. Uh, I have a bunch, but I'm going to just pick some of the weirder ones. I have Independence Day as an honorable mention. I think it belongs there. I'm going to say uh, a Norwegian movie from like a decade ago called The Wave, uh, which is quite literally just about a wave, like a volcanic volcanic thing happens underground and a wave like comes and, and like destroys a little town. Uh, it's a, that's a good kind of intense movie. There's a new movie from that filmmaker that just came out. Uh, Only the Brave is a movie from a couple of years ago. It's about smoke jumpers dealing with like out of control fires. Uh, I, I'm I'm highlighting this because I don't think anyone's ever seen it. And Miles Teller is in it. He's kind of a fucking dirtbag. But uh, this movie is and Josh Brolin. This movie is like really good and surprisingly moving and totally lost. It was like horribly marketed. This is this is really good stuff. And I I think it's it's long but really worth checking out. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a fun one here. Maybe it's more a creature movie than a disaster movie, but it happens during a hurricane, uh, and that's Crawl. Which is the movie? Oh my where, God! Yes, Go which ahead. is the, there's a hurricane and and for some reason I don't remember why Kaya Scodelario has to go to a house with her dad Barry Pepper and the house just gets invaded by a bunch of fucking alligators so they're trapped in a house with alligators during a hurricane it's nuts it's fucking awesome and it's Alejandro Aja who's one of my favorite like slashy nasty horror directors uh, this movie is awesome and I strongly recommend it I think it's the best movie ever that didn't screen for critics so. To Oz's point about crawl, the reason it's called crawl is because he goes down into the crawl space under the house. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so there's like, it's claustrophobic as well. And because of the hurricane, it obviously takes place in Florida. The alligators creep in and I, I'm not sure if the science on this, they can't go past a certain point because of the wooden beams in the crawl space. So you're like carefully seeing with them where you can go and where you can't. Um, there is a moment where she outswims one of them, which is bullshit, but I I think the effectiveness, my entire take on that movie is like, I don't know if this is good or not, but I'm terrified. So that I would also add crawl to an honorable mention. Can, can I throw um, in one more honorable mention? Just while yeah, I'm it, or two more. I, I'm going to throw in Dante's peak, which I, I think is good. Um, and I'm going to throw in, Pick one of those, one of the, you know how Mark Wahlberg made like seven disaster movies in a row about real things like the Boston yes. bombing and the Deepwater, Deepwater Horizon. Horizon. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Deepwater Horizon. Uh, all those Peter Berg, Wahlberg movies are, are not terrible somehow. Yeah, they're good. Um, no, I like them. I think yeah. they're pretty good. I, I think the, uh, the Boston one probably counts as a disaster movie in structure, even if it's a little crass to call it a disaster movie. So yeah. let's, let's go with the Deepwater Horizon one to Gave make us- it. Uh, uh, gave us the, the the kid in that movie that plays a uh, Jokar uh, Zarnayev. Um, he's in an Hereditary. Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf. Yeah. Um, that's at least and the I, first, I, first adult I like, thing I had seen him in. Yeah, he's good. He's great in that actually. And I, I think uh, Melissa Benoist, who plays his girlfriend yeah. in it, is quite good. She's super girl on the CW. Yeah. Um, my only honorables, a quiet place I would put on there. Annihil because I'm again I'm sticking with the alien theme to this. Um, Annihilation, 
the um, Alex Garland movie from a couple of years ago. And then for fun, I'll put Mars Attacks on there. Um, so those will be my honorable mentions. Hey, all right. Look at us. Take a look at the Earth League. Goodbye. I'll take care, all right? None but love for you. None but love for you. You think they have any clue what's about to happen to him? Oh, not a chance in hell. Good night. Next up, so the next two we're going to go through pretty quickly because they're reduxes. Um, is Independence Day a top five movie of 1996? We've heard it on our list. Oz, do you remember the top five movies of 1996? Cumulative box office. Okay. Domestic. Uh, and I'll, I'll do domestic too. So just here in America. Uh, Independence Day. That's one. Twister. That's two. Mission Impossible. That's three. Whatever the Disney movie was. Ransom. <laughs> <laughs> That's number five. So. Ransom is number five. Ransom is number five. More Mel. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, Ransom ahead of uh, One Hundred One Dalmatians and The Rock. Oh Rock. Yeah. Okay. So you have right, one the- more. One more movie at number oh, four. I'm, oh fuck! I'm missing one. Yeah. <sighs> Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Number four. You did it. Look at you. Uh, so my five. Oh no. Yeah, it's my turn to go first. My five in when we talked about Scream was Space Jam, Independence Day. So it makes my list. Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Mission Impossible. It will stay my top five. Oz, Independence Day didn't place for you. So what were your top five? And for kick for shits and giggles. What, I, have a, I have a change. Does it change? Oh, you do have a change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your top my, five from 1996. My top five is number one, Fargo. Just incredibly easily. Uh, mm-hmm. Number two, The Rock. Number three, Scream. Number four, Jerry Maguire. And the new entrant, dethroning Star Trek First Contact, having molded the genre and thought about what I enjoy about these movies. I want to bump Twister up to, okay. up to the fifth spot. <laughs> uh, I hope yeah. something. Maybe Independence Day can make yep. it, but no, it drops. A, it, it stays down and Twister jumps up to number five. Yep. Um, and then it obviously doesn't make years for the 90s. Nope. Uh, it being my number two for 96, it would be a candidate for my 90s, but it does not make my top five for the 90s either. Um, the top 10, it would absolutely make, though. This is, <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies of the 90s for sure. Which brings us to our final category. So I'm going to say the category name and then play the clip. Oh, good. So good, you good, can good, all good, hear good. it. Totally does great. Independence Day have a top five movie speech? Good morning. In less than an hour, aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. 
But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night, we will not vanish without a fight, we're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. I think I've watched that that clip, that speech to get ready for like big day at work, big test in college, probably watched it in high school. But I like here's how old we are, people. We went to high school before you could just pull it up on YouTube. So you'd have to like pull out your DVD and find it and then hit play and then make sure you were on the right scene in order to do it that way. I had um, this movie on VHS. Yeah, listen, so you get it. You were winding it back and forth. And if you run it too many times and the tape gets ruined and then your mom gets mad at you and yada, yada, yada. Um, this is one of the most run through a wall speeches that's ever existed. And for God's sakes, I know our current president can't give this speech, but if any president wants to give this speech at a state of the union, you will get me activated on your campaign trail in a heartbeat okay <laughs> looking at you aoc uh oz your thoughts oh, Buttigieg about is the guy most likely to get fine Buttigieg, fine whatever I, I listen you gotta understand this isn't just my favorite fictional movie president speech this is my like i put this up with obama's speech from the 04 state of the uh 04 uh primaries i put this up against the gettysburg address oz okay uh, that's how high i put this up all right I'm going to just just get it out of the way then, because I don't I don't want to I don't want to make you sick with the tension. And and I'm going to tell you that Independence Day didn't make my list. I don't know how I it's an honorable how. it's an honorable mention. I I, Oz, I don't get it at all. I, I've I've been with you. I, like I understand it. where you I like are it. On, on the list on, on this you know, movie. You're, you're going to be way more upset when you hear like what the number one is. Uh, this oh, list. God. The number one. I'm uh, making you go first. I'm making is, you go first. I know it's is, my turn, but you get to go first. Is the inches speech from any you given went with Sunday? Pacino, inch by inch. Are you kidding me? I went with with Pacino at his worst. <laughs> that somehow turns out for the best. I that is my run through the wall speech. I love it. It is everything you just said about about the Gettysburg fucking address and. Independence Day is how I feel about you got to live for that inch. Mm. You got to die for that inch. Uh, it's fucking amazing. Uh, inch by inch. Uh, my number two is we're going to go with a classic here. Um, mm. I, I do. I have a very bad modernity bias on here, but my number two, he's so mad. He's so mad. Yeah, I'm um, giving a look. Yeah, I'm, my, I'm Celine sitting on the couch right now. I sat with my partner. My number well, you have a shirt on though. My number yes. two is, is, is Peter Finch in Network. I love is, this speech. This is an honorable mention for me. This is a good one. This is a very angry one. It's it's the good side of very hammy acting. Mm -hmm. uh, my number three, I hate myself. I just wish I didn't have to do this, but I love it. I know all the words of it. It meant so much to fucking 10-year-old me. And that's Braveheart. Sons of Scotland. I am William Wallace. Yes, I fight. They can never take our lives. Yeah. They can never take yeah. our freedom. Yes, it's on my. It's on my list. Don't worry. Uh, 
but yeah, it's fucking awesome. I watched it on YouTube and I was like, oh man, this is so good. Uh, I, I just, I really like the, the bolts of lightning part. It's just, it's great. Um, my number four is maybe not a conventional choice, but it's going to be uh, Red's Spiel in Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman. Uh, I think it counts hmm. as a movie speech. So that's what I'm going with about the you know life and all of those wonderful things. And number five, permit me a hot take here. Uh, Above Independence Day. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily, actually. Um, easily. Oh, there's an actor who I think has had an incredibly good 2021. I, I, I've long loved him and I really like that everyone is starting to appreciate him. Um, and you know, he's shown like a new commitment to his career. He, he gave really two of the best supporting performances of the year. And that's Ben Affleck. And in 1997, at the oh, end wow. of a little movie called Goodwill Hunting, he gave a speech about how every morning he wakes up and hopes the best part of his day is the hope that he'll go outside and see that his best friend has finally made something of his life. I love it. That that moved me so much in 12 year old me brain and it still works now there's like a there's like a pavlovian response where when i see that scene i get like deeply choked up and emotional inside and i understand what what chosen family is i understand what love for your friends is in that moment i love that speech i love affleck in that speech and in that movie uh it is perhaps one that we'll be doing someday on uh one of these episodes but uh, yeah, my number five is going to be trigger warning to Andrew Goodwill Hunting. He's so mad. I'm in protest right now. So um, mad. Network's my number six. Mad as hell. Never going to take it anymore. Um, yeah, that's me right now. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> Guys, any, I'm going to be fired next week. Any given Sunday is my number seven. So it's on my list. We have one crossover. On this. Justin's going to be back from Do the Right Thing to replace <laughs> me next week. Going forward. Um, a movie that may come up in the not too distant future. Remember, the Titans is an honorable mention for me as well. Um, all of these speeches, the, uh, the, the monologue to Damon that Affleck gives at the end of Goodwill Hunting is an honorable mention for me. Um, the you don't want to you don't want to hear Red go back and talk to his younger so self. You're talking about the bail hearing, right? Yeah. So I I'm reconsidering that for my number five now. I will say that. Cause I look I guess when I looked at the five speeches I have here are You have all one, like like I'm gonna get my dick hard from this speech. Well, so like speech. one person to a crowd. Like I look at how, the, does it have to be a crowd? That's how I, I interpreted it. Okay, maybe it doesn't have to. You, you know what you know what might get on? I might throw the Kaluya speech from Judas and the Black Messiah on Yeah, my, that, that would be up there too for me. Like I went from a one person to an entire crowd. And it's why my number one is James Earl Jones in Field of Dreams. The one constant through all the years has been baseball. That entire people I'm, will come I'm fine speech with this. Great. is my number one. And it's a one from the heart. My number two is Independence Day. God damn it. Like, you don't even have it, all of that melodrama and you don't even fucking have it number one. Yeah, because I thought a hot take would be that it's number two, not, not on the list, eyes. I thought that I was going to be able to be like, I love this speech. It doesn't capture what I love most about baseball as much as James Earl Jones preaching what <laughs> is good about that sport. That it's America's rolled by like an army of steamrollers, been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. Wow. But baseball 
has marked the time. And now we may never see it again. Um, my number two is Independence Day for every reason that I uh, opined about at the beginning of this category. And I will rem- be reminding of Oz. And hopefully all of you listening will help me remind Oz about how great this speech is. We're recording this Thursday night. This thing is set to post on our Twitter account tomorrow at noon. And damn it, if I am not going to hint at where it lands on our lists when I quote tweet it tomorrow. Um my number three is not Mel Gibson. He is on my list. Don't worry. Although maybe Red from Shawshank will, because that is a, to a, a couple of people. Maybe that is a speech in my mind. My number three is a coach. It's not Al Pacino. It's Herb Brooks and uh, the in the movie Miracle. The "This is your time" speech uh, is good. fucking electric. I will say the only. In the back of my mind, I wonder if the only if it works so much because I know how the game's gonna go, you know, like because I didn't know how any of like the Friday Night Lights or the Remember the Titans or the any given Sunday speeches would go. I didn't know what the results were. I wonder if those should be more effective. But for the moment, I felt like, yeah, let's go out and beat the Russians. Game, I already know how the results gonna go. Um, my number four is Braveheart, son of Scotland. I'm William Wallace. Fun fact: When I played soccer in high school, um, one kid would come out and give the Braveheart speech and uh, like get us pumped up before every game in our huddle. And then they can never they could take our lives. They will never take. And all of us would yell, "Our freedom!" and then run out to the field. Um, we were a bad soccer team too, which is probably a cool thing that it coincided with how that war went with how our soccer seasons would go. Uh, and then my last one is, you know what? You convinced me. I'll bump right up to five and move Rocky four off the list. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah. Rocky four. Really? If it, I could change, you could change. We all can change. I kind of like Rocky one better. Oh, the with Mick again, I'm going crowd here. Mm. He ended the cold war in to a lot of people on cocaine in the eighties. Okay. Have, have you seen the new version of it? I haven't. I haven't. It's it's like it's like significantly worse. Less I know movie, less music videos or is it there's still there's still the same number of music videos, but it's like it's like more serious and it's like more dour. Oh, and it makes the whole yeah. thing like just like less fun. I, I just I really I I really felt put off by it. It's like Stallone didn't no one's like Rocky four is a great movie and we need to like make it more serious. People are like Rocky four fucks because it's so stupid. And he just, just like blissfully unaware of what's mm-hmm. good about that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't watch. Uh, I think it's called <laughs> Creed versus Drago, the, the Stallone cut or something, the Stallone edit. Don't, don't watch it. Yeah. I'm good. Uh, Rocky four. It works for everything you said, the silliness of it. And uh, the the speech is great. Um, I've mentioned the we we mentioned the movie before, but the American president, the Whitmore speech, not, not Whitmore, yep. the Andrew Shepard speech when he goes to the press briefing and he uh, uh, writes uh, says a, a long list of Aaron Sorkin wishes for what a president would eventually <laughs> say in a press briefing. Uh, that would be a very high honorable mention for me. Oz, your honorable mentions. Uh, I have Independence Day as an honorable mention. Is it at least Don't six? Worry. Is it it's, six? It's actually seven on the list. What's six? Six is uh, the David Strathairn and Edward R. Murrow speech in Good Night and Good Luck. Uh, that's a about, really good speech. About journalistic ethics and integrity. It seems yes. like something as someone who, who was raised to do journalism um, that you should appreciate. No, it's a great revere. speech. Not wrong. Yes. Uh, 
I'm going to throw Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah and uh, Denzel and Malcolm up together. There are like eight speeches in Malcolm X that are quite excellent. Um, Kurt Russell Miracle, Field of Dreams mm-hmm. belongs on my honorable mentions list. But let me give you a special, very special speech that, you know, maybe should be my six. I don't know. Um, it's, it's the speech in all of movie history that has made me laugh the most. And that is the the whole inside a donut speech in <laughs> Knives Out from when Daniel Craig solves the crime at the end of the movie. Uh, it's, okay. it's, it's a brilliant, like flabbergastingly brilliant piece of screenwriting and so funny. So Daniel Craig, welcome to Final Review. <laughs> there you go. Do me a favor. Tell my children I love them very much. All right, you alien assholes! In the words of my generation, up yours! Dad, what's he doing? Come on, baby. Come on, baby, come on. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> Hello, boys! I'm back! Uh, let's wrap up what was your final review of independence day all right five points for emmerich zero points for smith zero points for goldblum five points for pullman three points for movie presidents zero points for 90s effect zero points for disaster slash invasion zero points for 1996 zero points for 1990s and don't hurt me Zero points for uh, <laughs> speeches, leading to a total score of not not that bad of a thirteen. It could That's have been not worse. Good. I mean, I spent, I, spent, I spent all week texting you about how I think this movie is like kind of terrible, but I love it yeah, anyway. It's fun trash. I know. Yeah, I think this movie is is kind of bad. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of stuff that's that's very dumb. So I think a 13 for a movie that I think is is objectively terrible in a lot of ways is is pretty good. So let me let me clear out. Let me do my friend a favor. What are your what's let's go to Quibble Corner. What are your dumb things about this movie? Okay, you do, do, do you really want me? To, I don't know if we have time. If this you is want me to, you want me to be kill Independence Day to, to do this? All right, nothing about the Brent Spiner character makes sense. I love Brent Spiner. I think he's I think he's a delightful character actor. That's all dumb as shit. It's so fucking stupid. This movie is full of so many ludicrous contrivances, which is fine. It's a disaster movie, but you, when everything comes down to like random chance meetings and like mm. crazy lucky happy incidences for how the plot resolves itself that that's lazy screenwriting and it's perfectly appealing and watchable and likable but this is not a movie that can easily be solved with like conventional actions by characters you need lucky coinky dinks to save the day and like the only time lucky coinky dinks works and doesn't annoy me is in like fucking end game because at least it's like some Doctor Strange magic bullshit that means that this is the Kowinky Dink version of the universe. Mm-hmm. But at least that movie is is like self-aware enough to poke fun at how stupid it is that, oh, wow, they managed to find the one way to solve it. And this has not one ounce of that self-awareness. Oh, I think that, I think that the uh, oh, God, I think the Judd Hirsch performance is 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 just 
fucking dreadful in I this. Take it or leave it. Yeah, it's a very minor role, but go ahead. It's it's not a minor role. He's in like every scene of the movie. He is like a, he is like He's attached at the hip to Goldblum. He's in that movie throughout. I think that uh, I think that Randy Quaid is uh, I. I just one of the worst performances in a movie that we've discussed on this podcast. I think it actually I'm trying to think if there's something else that has like that much screen time and is that bad in any movie that's gotten a final review before. Can you come up with anything? Because I sure can't. I think it's I think it's good. So I'd have to go through the rest of the list. Listen, the moment at the end where he tells his kids he loves him, there's a redemptive story arc there. That's that's story arc, not performance. I'm talking yeah, about Randy. part of the I'm performance is his is his like I'm a fuck up dad. He has those moments oh. throughout the movie. Like there's also like a mental health aspect to the guy. You know, it's also like it's all just so other. Oh, actually, here's a real one. Not not even making jokes. The pacing mm-hmm. is is like fundamentally broken. There's like a, a, a after the cities are destroyed, mm-hmm. like the entire next day is fucking boring. Like. Nothing happens. It's like Will Smith wandering through the desert and plot machinations happening so that everyone can magically be in the right places to save the day at the end of the movie. The the middle section, say like the 40 to 80th July percent 3rd, yeah. of the movie is dreadful. And it's even more dreadful on a rewatch. I try not to touch my phone when I'm watching a movie and I've been good through all of our final review movies. I was fucking around on my phone the entire time in that section because I just could not like um, mentally keep my focus. And I lock back in when, when they start getting prepared to like actually go fight the aliens that that's, that's just like a rough segment of film. And I just think that the writing is, is I, I like the speech. I think the writing is really fucking bad in this movie. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I was worried letting you do this, that you were going to say something that I, like ruin the movie for me. I, I just think I just flatly disagree. I think all of the Area 51 stuff is cool. I think if you're really like, you like when the alien is like talky singing. Brent yes, Sp- Brent that's Spiner. actually a, I think it adds to the stakes. I think you now see what these aliens are capable of. You are now able to see what is at stake, which is why like if they're able to control you through your mind, then I, the next solution is to nuke them. And when that doesn't work, you're felt helpless, which leads to what happens on the 4th of July. Um, look, as far as the self-awareness of the MCU, if I'm allowed to just overlook that Captain Marvel probably could have snapped her fingers and Tony and saved Tony Stark's life just by putting on the glove and all of the time travel bullshit that doesn't make sense in Endgame and still enjoy that movie, I can then also elevate this movie and some of the things that require me to suspend disbelief. There's no MCU movie that is as poorly structured or as poorly written as Independence Day. This is better than Eternals. This is better than Thor the Thor, Dark World. This Thor is, the Dark World is more competently made than Independence Day. I and that movie flatly sucks. disagree. If this movie was in the MCU, it would be in my top seven or eight. That's how good I think it is. We pretend like these superheroes being superheroes isn't why we actually care about these characters. This movie made you actually care about Pullman, about Goldman, about Smith, and... That's why I go back to it more than any other disaster movie that we've talked about today. I, I like Independence Day more. It's more fun. So then this, the, your score does reflect how you feel about this movie. I think that it is legit good. And it's why... Let me just go through my final review. Oh my God. It's going to be so... So be five so for Emmerich, three for Smith, four for Goldblum, five for Pullman, five for Presidents, one for Effects. Uh, five for Invasion, four for 96, zero for the 90s, and four for Speeches, giving me 
a total of 36 out of 50. This is one of the greatest blockbusters ever created and a movie that stands the test of time because this came out in 96 and today people, well, for this week, because for our pod, people are going to watch it. But um, like 4th of July, the number one movie people go to, the number one clip that gets passed around is the presidential speech. The number one thing that people will watch, maybe that or Jaws, is Independence Day, which is an accomplishment all to itself. <laughs> Meh. Uh, listen, this is where we, uh, through 19 episodes, have learned to... We've agreed a lot on this pod, which is why we get to an episode where we like vastly disagree and you learn it's okay to disagree okay. Two people it's can okay. watch a movie and see something completely different and everyone thinks i'm a pretentious asshole anyway so it's fine uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm living the life you're, you're in character today <laughs> um so i have some housekeeping to clarify before we get out of here which is funny because i had this surprise for you at the end and you just destroyed one of my favorite movies of all time or i think i defended myself at least my perspective well trilogies I was thinking about my top five throughout the week and like I came up with this convoluted math structure of like taking all three movies and their score on Letterboxd and just kind of ranking them. I had a bunch of 24s lined up next to each other, which is why I came up with the top five I came up with. And I weighted it a little differently if like you had a four, but it's like 10, 10 and four. I can't excuse the four if I have three solid eights. So what I'm going to do is retroactively adjust my trilogy list. I'm going to keep Toy Story 1. I'm going to keep Lord of the Rings 2. I'm going to bump up the before trilogy to 3. Yes! Yeah, yeah. That You had that coming at the end of this pod and look what you just did. Um, I'm going to put The Godfather at number 4. And I just... I, I legit don't want to watch when we do The Godfather in any capacity. I don't want to watch 3. I'll probably watch the Coda instead and get, get it out the way. Coda's better. I mean, it's the same movie, but it's, it's right, just but better. This is, this is my example of a 10, 10, and a 4. Like Those are two perfect movies to the start, and then a movie that I almost don't want to recognize as canon at the end. So I can't get over the fact that one trilogy has two perfect movies in it, and I'm, I feel like I'm taking away too much of it. So I'll put The Godfather 4... And then you're welcome, Oz. I will bump the Dark Knight trilogy out of my top five and keep the home trilogy, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, the new one with Holland, as my, my number five. Can I, so, can I, can I do can a housekeeping on trilogy? Yeah, go ahead. So uh, you, you, you all may have heard me mention a movie called The Worst Person in the World. That's actually the third movie oh, in, wow. a, in, <laughs> a th- in a thematic trilogy. And uh-huh. I'd not seen the first two entries in that trilogy until uh, last week. Uh, they're called Reprise and Oslo, August 31st. And both are, are fucking fantastic. Uh, they're really masterful films. And uh, yeah, I, it's not going to make my list, but I would just like to have it be noted as a significant honorable mention on my list that the Oslo trilogy is really good. And relatedly, worst person in the world. Opens in New York and LA this weekend. It expands next week. Please go watch it. It is a fucking masterpiece. And relatedly, Oz interviewed one of the actors in that movie and it is available on the Invention of Dreams YouTube channel. Yeah, and on the site. Both. And on the site. Embedded on the so site. So head on over to the Invention of Dreams and check out 
Oz's interview with I edited the thing and I uh, forgot his name. Anders, his name? Da- Anders Danielson Lee. And he's also the lead in both Reprise and Oz August 31st, which is why I finally watched those movies. There you go. Um, Oz, do you have anything else you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Actually, can I just plug Anders for one minute and say that yeah, this, is a, this is a guy, if you've never heard of him and you probably haven't because he's primarily in Norwegian movies and I think the only like major American thing he's been in is that um, 22nd July Paul Greengrass movie about the terrorist attack. Um, this is a guy who is one of the most successful actors in Norway. He is a scholar of musicology and um, ancient Greek. He is a musician in a band. He has written a book about child sexuality. He is married to a supermodel and he is an active practicing doctor with his own practice in Oslo in between movie roles. This guy is just like a better species of human being than all of the rest of us. Uh, so yeah, I just think that guy's really cool. And um, you should go watch the, all I want to plug is go watch worst person in the world, which is just fucking great. It's, it's my spoilers for our end of the year wrap up. It's going to be featured a lot. Please give it a shot. Don't, don't let the little two inch boundary of subtitles scare you away. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's so good. Uh, please, I'm begging you. Also, come to theadventuredreams.com. Follow me on Twitter at OzOnMovies. Thank you. I can't get over you begging people to come watch this small-ass movie, which I'll, from my perspective, say I quite enjoy it. I think it's really good. I don't have the same affection Oz does for it, but I do think there is a lot of human connection to be made in in the main character's story. And there, there's some talking and walking in this movie. Yeah, so, so like you get your link later in it too. <laughs> um, I love you begging people to go check this movie out and like the coverage of it after you just tried to lampoon one of their favorite movies in blockbusters. That is, <laughs> like, that is peak Oz. No, you know, there's going to be like 10% of our listenership that's like, fuck yeah, Oz is uh-huh. right. Independence Day sucks. I'm going to worst person in the world now. And, and the, the other 90s, us, the other 90% yeah. is like unfollow on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be our first one star review. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you dig the show, head on over to iTunes and drop a five star rating and a review. Uh, Super Bowl themed next week is all I'll say. So until next time, thank you for listening and tune in for another final review. Listen, Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.